Absolutely. Miami has the Dolphins, they're the worst football team. They flub the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. Uh-huh. They're on the ground, that's where they'll stay. They're never in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking toilet folders. They're the oh. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number. How many teams in the league? Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, don't bet on them, you'll always lose. They don't know how to tackle, they don't know how to block. Their coaches ought to tell them to put Bengay in their jocks. Uh Then they would run much faster, and even in defeat. When we go to the stadium, we'll see Miami Heat, and they're the... Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number. How many teams in the league? Uh, 32. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, the team that hasn't got a clue. Miami has the Dolphins, but the Dolphins have no fans. Just 50,000 apples sitting in the stands. They watch the game and all they do is moan and gripe and bitch. I wonder how Joe Robbie got to be so damn rich. And they're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Oh. Miami Dolphins number. How many teams in the league? Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. I hear the crowd begin to boo. Dolphins have Jay Fiedler, that quarterback's a Jew. Run down the field and he will throw a pass over you. He'll never win a Super Bowl, you shouldn't be surprised. When he gets cut, that doesn't mean that he was circumcised. And they're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number. How many teams in the league? 82. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Jay calls his signals in Hebrew. Rock solid. The Dolphins have no defense and their offense is a joke. Like George Bush eating pretzels, you know they're gonna choke. They'll always disappoint you when they're in a playoff race. With fewer points than pockmarks on Heisinga's ugly face. And they're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number. Oh, what the hell? 32. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Now they're through. I'm smelling Super Bowl, baby. I'm smelling something, a pungent aroma, that's for sure. It's a 10.04, so Mark Foley says she's an alcoholic. Oh, is that it? Yeah, it was the booze, you know, it's always the booze that done it. You know, I know a lot of drunks, and, uh, you know, they don't bother the teenagers. Oh, really? Well, she's, uh, she's her whole uh, deal is protecting young people, don't you understand? Uh-huh, from people like him? That's correct. Here's a great idea, and I've been screaming about this forced sterilization for years. Charleston, South Carolina. 
And that's a good place to start. A city council member reacting to a video store holdup believed to have been carried out by children says parents who can't properly care for their kids should be sterilized. Oh! Yes. I think everybody in South Carolina ought to be sterilized. Sounds good. We pick up stray animals and spray them, Larry Shirley said in a story published Saturday by the Post and Courier of Charleston. These mothers need to be spayed if they can't take care of theirs. Once they have a child that's running the street, to let them continue to have children is totally un unacceptable. Shirley's comments came after police say a video store was held up by a group of children, including a 14-year-old girl suspected of wielding a BB gun that looked like a real piece. The holdup happened about 9 o'clock last Wednesday at the Hollywood Video Store. A 14-year-old girl and 12-year-old boy charges juveniles with armed robbery. A 9-year-old boy wasn't charged because police said he was too young. Not too young for Miss Foley, maybe, but too young. He was released to his mother. Hey, Mark. You fairy. Anyway. And by the way, thanks, Mark, for not only betraying the trust of the electorate, but also for continuing the ugly stereotypes so that people like Josh Cordes think that every homosexual male is a pedophile. He was just saying so. Yeah, I'm sure he was. That's that ugly <laughs> stereotype. Well, that's, you know, what does he know? <laughs> if only you could see the look on his face. No, I don't Poor want to see the look. What we've got is a failure in society, whether it's in Mount Pleasant with yuppie parents or whether it's on the east side with poor crackhead parents, he said, referring to areas in and around Charleston, South Carolina. State Senator Robert Ford of Charleston Democrat agreed that the crime highlights a societal problem, but dismissed Shirley's suggestion to sterilize people as crazy. I wonder what pasty Patsy Klein would think about that. Crazy. What Larry Shirley needs to talk about is getting city council to provide some recreational facilities and activities for these kids and creating an atmosphere conducive to a normal society, said Ford, also a former councilman in Charleston, South Carolina. Good place to start sterilizing everybody. Oh, there's that fat Denny Hastert. What did he know and when did he know it? That's always the question, mm -hmm. isn't it? Cover up my ass. Take a big I'll blanket, I'll yeah, tell you that. I'll get a tarp. Here's the poll from Friday. 2,290 votes, and this was a horrible poll by own admission. It stunk. Who is your most trusted celebrity? 685 said none. That's about 30. About 30, man. Percent. None. Don't trust celebrities, okay? Don't trust Mark Foley either. Don't trust all these do-gooders that are running out there trying to protect your children. Just like Anita Bryant with that Save Our Children campaign. Then come to find out that her former husband, with all the homophobia that she and her ilk were spreading, former husband Bob Green, not the one that you know, was uh, in a closet. In other words, gay. Yeah. Let me tell you, haven't I always said that the ones who are always pointing the finger at everybody That's else, right. they got those skeletons rattling around in their closet, man. Lots of noise in there. Lots of stuff going on. George Carlin is their most trusted celebrity. He was a late add-on, and boy, I know what I tell you. Just like I predicted, he zoomed by the weak competition. 309 for George. I hate this poll. 241, 10.5%. Well, we did too, as a matter of fact. George Clooney, oh my goodness, 151. Mm. Tom Hanks, 112. Michael J. Fox, 107. Morgan Freeman, 180. Morgan Fairchild didn't have any. And J.P. Morgan didn't have any either. Henry Morgan didn't have any. Ron Howard, 87. Little Opie. Rachel Ray, 70. Oh, now I know who Rachel Ray is, by the way. Okay. Although, over the weekend, I've seen her on uh, her promo for her insipid show. You saw her teeth? Oprah's got 69. Susan Sarandon, 60. Mel Gibson, 58. Hey, Mel. <laughs> James Earl Jones, 56. How do you like that? Mel Gibson is their most trusted celebrity on Yom Kippur, no less. Boy, talk about anti-semantic. Shame on you people. Tim Robbins, 36. Dan Marino, 36. Jane Fonda, 28. Denzel Washington, 23. Sean in the pen, 22. Martin Sheen, 18. Reese Witherspoon, 17. And my boy James Franco had five. Have to split up five ways. But like somebody told me on Friday, there's plenty to go around. That's what I heard. Mm -hmm. 
Speaking of plenty to go around, man wears cardboard box at Pennsylvania hearing. <laughs> this is in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, the home of the Mountain View Inn, where they got really good liver and onions, man. That's a good restaurant. Mountain View Inn. You remember me talking about that years mm-hmm. ago? Sure. You ever been there? No. No. A man accused of theft arrived for a preliminary hearing wearing a cardboard box on his head in an effort to conceal his identity. I, I bet you it was Nick Saban. Boy, talk about thin skin. That's what I love. I always love when you get a thin-skinned coach or GM or something like that. Really thin, uh, hostile. If you thought the Wanstead era was a disaster and didn't last too long, just wait till the Saban era comes to an end. Soon. How long do you think Wayne's going to put up with this crap? Oh, uh, you know, he'll, he'll give him a... Another year after this. One. I mean, I smelt it yesterday. I was sure that they were going to come back in time and then win in overtime against the little girls team. And you know something? You realize how close, how close we came to having a total disgrace over the weekend? The Hurricanes, just by the skin of their teeth, beat a little girls team on Saturday right there in the Orange Bowl behind a paltry, in front of a paltry crowd of 36,107. Yeah, i got to tell and you, there were a lot more people there than I thought there were going to be for Houston. Yeah. So in other words, you think there was a good crowd, 36,000 in the Orange Bowl? Well, was 80, the Orange Bowl is not, you know, PP, you know, stadium. It's not PP? Dolphin Stadium now. Well, you better not have the PP in the Orange Bowl because you'll have to do it in the aisles because there's no turlets. At any rate, Justin Michael Kalich, 26, wore the box at the suggestion of his lawyer while waiting outside a judge's office for an appointment Thursday morning. I'm trying to think outside of the box, so to speak, Attorney Jeff Leonard said. And Brad Pitt came by and said, what's in the... By the way, Michael Pitt is not related to Brad Pitt. We've already been through that before. Right. Well, because I saw that movie, The Dreamers, again, the Bernardo Bertolucci movie over the weekend, The mm-hmm. Dreamers, which the only reason anybody wants to see it is because of all the nudity. That is correct. And the ending is not acceptable. Well, you know, they're all revolting in Paris. Yeah, I've been there. They're revolting, all right. Leonard said the movie was prompted by concerns over whether a witness could be able to identify his client in connection with a July theft of real wire. Real wire. Hmm. The witness might see a photo line before his client went into the courtroom for hearing yet, and this was kind of a simple way to force the Commonwealth to meet its burden without the defendant having to reveal his identity. Kind of like Superman, you know, he didn't want to take, uh, put the glasses on. Charges were dropped at the hearing when Kalich reached an agreement to pay for the wire valued less than 600 bucks. That's the big news from Greensburg, Pennsylvania, home of the Mountain View Inn, where they have great, great food. At least they used to. I don't even know if it's still there. That's like uh, right outside Pittsburgh. You know, Pittsburgh, Aliquippa, and McKeesport, McKees Rocks, and nope. all those places. You don't want to go there. Anyway, we've got only about 500 stories on Mark Foley. Bob Woodward's book, State of Denial, comes out today. Thank goodness that he's not pedantic, you know, like Wolf Blitzkrieg, Bob Woodward. Depending on which senator you talk to, it, uh, he'll tell you a story. I just, I just don't understand how people... Why do people talk like that? I don't know. Very slow and Very pedantic slow and like a uh, jackass. Well, maybe they're anyway, as the book comes out today, I'm going to go out and get it right away. And then I'll read the whole book on here. Excellent. Starting tomorrow, if I can find it. 756 votes on today's poll. And, of course, we don't want to kick the Dolphins while we're, they're down, do we? Oh, yeah. And Nick Saban. <laughs> Wait till the Saban era comes to a screeching halt. Soon, the media hates you, Nick, and the fans. Oh, nice call on that two-pointer, man. That was beauty. There's downtown Ronnie Brown heaves it, and uh, it's uh, that ball's still flying. <laughs> that was great. Anyway, 756 votes. How many games will the Dolphins win this season? Who cares? 235. Shame on you people. What is wrong with you? Real men care about such crap. 235. Say who cares? Six. That's what I voted. That would make them five and seven in their last 12 games. I think that's very generous, don't you, Josh? Yeah. Six is optimistic. 97 people said they win six. That would be 6 and 10. That would be the end of the Saban era. Screw the fish, say 88. Probably Jets fan. And by the way, now, did you see the last play in that game, Josh? 
Oh, yeah, those are awesome. I, saw I love that. those, man. When they're heaving the ball, lateraling all around the field in time, the clock has run out and they got to score a touchdown. You know, talk about choking and gagging, man. Every time they would take the lead, the uh, Colts would come right back and uh, they couldn't stop them. Yeah, and then they, they, they marched Sandy down Payton in like 30 seconds. I thought seconds. for sure the Jets were going to win that game, yeah. Very bad. Screw the fish, 88. And how about those Patriots kicking Cincinnati ass right there in Cincinnati? Even I was shocked at that. I still can't believe it. I'm with you. Yeah. That was bizarre. Uh, they're going to win five. Eighty-three people said five. Seventy-eight people said they're going to win four. Thirty-nine delusional people said they'll win seven. Thirty-one people said they'll win two, which means there's another win coming, so stay tuned. Thirty people said... About thirty, man. They're going to win eight. Yeah, likely story. Twenty-two people said Solamente Trace, three. Nineteen people said Super Bowl. They must have misread it and thought it said Toilet Bowl. Super Bowl, nineteen. <laughs> I hate this bull, twelve, only one and a half percent. Twelve people said they're going to win nine. Six people said they're going to win 10. Five insane people said they're going to win 11. And two people said playoffs. Yeah, playoff my ass. 762 votes. <laughs> yeah, the Hurricanes just 14 to 13 over a school of blind kids. The biggest names. The I'll be first down here, man. Like I said, I'll be first down here. Want a lollipop, little boy? No. Something. I'm aching in my glass. Yeah, you a naked boy, and I'm your nambler man. You fail. Yeah, I'm your nambler man. Yeah, I'm your nambler man. They seem so sweet to me with their firm little cans. Right, little boys need to be with me. Said Josh the uh, transcript, but you must not have known what the hell it was from that those chat the chat room. Yeah, I have. I just sent it to you again. Okay. Well, that one didn't have any headline on it, so I guess you were like kind of bewildered. You talking about the Foley papers? The Foley, the Foley, the, yeah, the Roly Foley papers. 
Mark Foley instant message chats with the congressional page. That's the headline, and it's got the whole uh, deal here, alleged. Is this something we can read on the air? No. <laughs> I didn't think so. I mean, I could. Once. Twice. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious what this is all about. Anybody's got an IQ larger than their thumbnail. Slip off your, uh, you know, slip off your shorts and uh, all this other crap. Oh, that could have been construed a whole bunch of ways. Well, not when you read the rest <laughs> of it, but at any rate. <laughs> Former Representative Mark Foley resigned Friday amid allegations that he sent inappropriate emails to teenage pages. Remember that uh, song by the birds, On My Back Pages? No. Told a Florida TV station that he's in treatment facility for alcoholism. <laughs> it was the booze that had done it. You fairy. A letter containing the information was faxed by Foley to WPBF in West Palm Beach, said David Roth, Foley's attorney. The fax apparently was sent from Clearwater, but Roth wouldn't say today if that's where Foley's being treated. He's got a booze problem, baby. He's got a stupid problem is what he's got. That, that's, that's his biggest crime, being stupid. A moron. Not to mention a hypocrite, of course, but isn't that true with the right-wingers generally? All of them. All those skeletons are rattling around in their closets, man. He's out there to protect the children. Just like Michael Jackson, he loves the children. And certain other uh, lunatics on the far right. We're always pointing the finger because they have this self-loathing. That's what it's all about. House Speaker Fat Denny Hastert has asked the Justice Department to investigate how lawmakers handled allegations that fully exchanged sexually explicit messages with teenage congressional pages, the Speaker's orifice said. And believe you me, if you're talking about Denny Hastert, it must be a really big Rectum. orifice. The rare move followed caused by Democratic leaders in the House and Senate for a rapid inquiry earlier yesterday, questioning whether the GOP leadership in the House had improperly squelched concerns about former Representative Foley's contact with the pages. I love if you look at the uh, online comments and all these different uh, chat rooms and so on. All the, Not all, but most of the right-wingers, most of the Republicans. Well, you know, Bill Clinton did this and Monica Lewinsky that. Uh, mm -hmm. And then, then, of course, comes the uh, typical response as well. She was uh, legal age. She was 21 or whatever. And a fat cow. Right. And that's what she went there to do. But the fact that this is the, this idiot puts this, you know, uh, paper trail to all of this, puts it out there online, in the internets. Talk about a moron. FBI spokesman Richard Kolko said the Bureau was looking into whether any federal laws have been violated in that matter, but had no further comment. I wonder what gay Edgar Hoover would think about all this. Gay. Sexually explicit messages from... I could read them all if you want, but that's, I'm not going to do it. Just look on our website. I'm sure, Josh, have you got it yet? Did you find it? I uh, haven't got it yet. What do you mean you haven't got it yet? I just sent it to you like five minutes ago. Well, I, I wouldn't lie. I, I haven't got it yet. You don't have it? Maybe I'll send it again. Sexually explicit messages from former Representative Mark Foley you fairy. to one former congressional page might be just the tip of the iceberg, the leader of an alumni association for former congressional pages said over the weekend. Did you see this kid, this uh, Matthew Loredich kid? No. Fat glasses. He looks like a fat Robert Grieper. Pudgy. Looks like me. Gross. While Foley was forced to resign this week after published reports of friendly emails to one 16-year-old male page and the pending broadcast of more sexually explicit instant messages, similar graphic messages from him were received by at least three other teenage males who once worked in the page program, said Matthew Loredich, a Maryland College senior who runs the U.S. House Page Alumni Association's Internet Message Board. Oh, the U.S. House Page Alumni Association's Internet Message Board. All the message boards all the time. So you don't get bored. Loredich, who served in the PAGE program in the 2001-2002 session, and I guarantee you nobody tried to molest him, said he's reviewed graphic messages sent to Foley by three or four other males from his PAGE class. Did you get that yet? He's looking. I've known about them for several years now, Loredich said Saturday. It was more like, hey, look at this, said Loredich, 21. I don't think the people in question felt that uncomfortable. It was more like, oh, look at that creepy guy. 
Look at that fag. It was definitely crossing the line stuff. The instant message stuff uh, and stuff I've seen and heard about definitely couldn't be misconstrued as merely friendly or innocent, he said. A spokesman for the FDLE confirmed the agency was deciding whether or not to pursue charges against Foley, a Republican whose resignation is temporarily left the Treasure Coast without representation in Congress. We will be discussing this matter with the FBI in an effort to determine if there are grounds for a criminal investigation, and if so, who has jurisdiction, said Tom Berlinger, chief media spokesman for the FDLE. A decision was expected later this week, Berlinger said, adding the agency hadn't yet contacted Foley. FBI officials couldn't be reached for comment. I guess maybe I'll have to read the, you know, like, do I make you a little horny? And is uh-huh. it, uh, I can't read them on the air. That's the too, stuff we want. It's too graphic. Come on. Okay, well, Josh can't fight it anyway. No, I got it. I'm, you want me to post it right now? Post it right now would be a good idea if you can do that, if it's not too uh, much of a hardship yeah, on you. I still want you to read it. You can oh, you maybe know, I censor, will. self-censor and all that. Yeah. The appropriate parts. All right. The inappropriate parts, I mean. <laughs> the, the whole thing is an inappropriate <laughs> part. God. And, of course, the obvious question is, you know, who is the... We're never going to find out who this kid is, and we're never going to find out if he looked like. Now, I will say this, and then also some of the responses in the chat rooms are, well, it sounds like the kid was uh, really into it, and he was probably gay himself. That makes it okay. Well, yeah, I guess that would make it okay that a you know, 52-year-old member of Congress is uh-huh. sending these uh, sexually uh, suggestive, like, uh, hey, you know, what do you got and what are you doing with it uh, kind of emails. you pointing hypocrite, yeah. Right. But I like, and you saw that one they showed him again this morning. Ooh, that one good page, God Almighty, screamer is all I can say. So maybe there are like uh, the gay youth. Maybe that's one of the uh, areas of uh, endeavor that they like attracted to is being a page in Congress, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, they have a lot and of. What do you do with pages in a book? You turn them. That's right. Fold them. Do not bend, staple, or mutilate. Mark Foldy. Yeah, Mark's folding it. Oh, look at this! I'm printing it all out right now. Here it is. So I guess we'll do the break, and then thanks to George, though, I'm going to read all this pornographic stuff on here, so you'll take the fall for it. The biggest right. names, the best That's talent. Right. This is Neil Rogers. Tired of the same boring old communion wafers at Holiday Mass? Huh? Open wide, baby, and prepare to receive thy Savior. Oh, jeez, Father O'Malley, wafers again? Now, Billy, this isn't just any wafer. It's not? No, through the divine miracle of transubstantiation, I've turned this ordinary wafer into the divine, blessed body of Christ. Well, why does the body of Christ have to taste so yucky? Spice up your next communion with new Christeroni. Christeroni is a special blend of rice, spices, and seasonings, plus a bit of the body of Christ in every fluffy forkful. And Christeroni cooks up perfect every time, as he should. Mm. Can I have some more Christ, Father? That's Christ the Roni, Billy. Amen to that. Christ the Roni, the transubstantiation treat. 27 before the hour. Wait till you're our schedule today, man. You're going to puke your guts out. Well, we got the Mad Dog 2 to 4 because he ain't Jewish. Thank God for that. Then the Power Hour with Mad Dog and... Joe Zagaki. In for a humper because it's Yom Kippur. Four to, four to five. Then solo, Joe Zagaki, five to seven. If you think you like that... Curtis and Lenny Martez, 7 to 10. Oh, my God. And then NDK at 10 o'clock. No ball game because the Marlins season is over. The baseball season, regular season, is finito. And Don Trell says it was uh, really swell. That's what, according to Don Trell, whatever the hell that means. Any, any interest? No. Here's that transcript, okay? Mark Foley instant message chats with Congressional Page. This is George Rodriguez inspired. That's right. You're the one that, uh, well, haven't you read this? Don't you know what he said? Nope. No. No. Note, the exchange includes graphic sexual discussion. Foley. Hey, auto response from... Kid. It just says redacted screening. Okay. So I'll just say kid. All right. Scrounging from food. 
Foley, okay. Keep scrounging. Kid, boo. Foley, boo, dude. Kid, laugh out loud. Uh, kid, where'd you go this afternoon? Foley, I'm in Pensacola. I had to catch a plane. Kid, oh, well, that's fun. Foley, indeed. Kid, what are you doing in Pensacola? Foley, now in my hotel room. Kid, well, like, why did you go there? Foley for the campaign. Kid, have you officially announced yet? Foley, not yet. Kid, cool, cool. Foley, how's my favorite young stud doing? Kid, tired and sore. Kid, I didn't, I didn't know waltzing could make you sore. Foley, from what? Kid, what do you mean from what? From waltzing? I'm sore from waltzing. Foley, that's good. You need a massage. Foley signed off at 7.39.37 p.m., uh, Foley signed back out again, 740.35. Kid, got kicked off? Foley must have. He got kicked off. They got uh, disconnected. That's it. Kid, uh, tomorrow I have the first day of lacrosse practice. Foley, love to watch that. Those great legs running. Kid, ha, they aren't great. That's why we have conditioning. Kid, two days running, three days lifting. Every week, until the end of March. Foley, well, don't ruin my mental picture. Kid, oh, laugh out loud, sorry. Foley, nice. You'll be way hot then. Kid, haha, hopefully. Foley, better be. Well, I better let you go do your thing. Kid, okay, okay. Have fun campaigning, or however you spell it. Laugh out loud. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Foley, did any girl give you a... I can't read this. Did any girl give you a job this weekend? Kid, laugh out loud. No, I'm single right now. My girlfriend and I broke up a few weeks ago. Foley, are you good so you're getting horny? Kid, laugh out loud a bit. Foley, did you spank it yourself this weekend? Kid, no. Been too tired and busy. Foley, wow, I'm never too busy. Ha ha. Kid, ha ha. Foley, or tired, helps me sleep. Kid, that's true. Kid, haven't been having a problem with sleep, though. I just walk in the door and collapse, well, at least this weekend. Foley, I'm sure. Kid, I don't do it very often normally, though. Foley, why not? At your age, it seems like it would be a daily. Kid, not me. I'm not a horn dog. Maybe two, three times a week. Foley, that's a good number. In the shower? Kid, no, actually, usually I don't do it in the shower. Just because I shower in the morning and quickly. Foley, in the bed? Kid, I get up at 5.30. I'm out the house by 6.10. Uh, Foley, on your... I'm not going to read all these details here about how he does it. Oh, geez, you're sick. I think yes. you sent some of these. Yeah. Foley, on your back? Not Kid, no face down. Foley, love details. Kid... Laugh out loud. I see that. Laugh out loud. Foley, really? Do you really do it face down? Kid, yeah. Foley, kneeling? Kid, well, I don't use my hand. I use the bed itself. Foley, where do you... I'm not going to read these. This is Come sick. On. I need closure. Yeah, you need... Close your brain, okay, if you can find one. Foley, where do you unload it? <laughs> Answer, kid, towel. Foley, really? Completely naked? Kid, well, yeah. Foley, very nice. Kid, laugh out loud. Foley says, cute butt bouncing in the air. Oh, Kid, well, no. I've never watched myself, but I guess, yeah. Foley, I'm sure not. Great visual. I may try that. This goes on for pages, and it gets too graphic. I'm not going to uh, read this. Is your little limp guy, uh, is your little guy limp or growing? Oh, it's just, it's just too, uh, you know. What are you wearing, kid? Normal clothes, T-shirt and shorts. Foley. Oh, so a big bulge, kid. Yeah. Lo love to slip them off you, Foley says. And grab the one-eyed snake. I'm not going to read any more of this. You know, I don't know why everybody's making a big deal out of that. That's just a normal conversation between a congressman <laughs> and his assistant. I mean, between a member of Congress and a 16-year-old kid, right? Sure. That's right. It's your normal kind of conversation. I have no doubt about that. Anyway. 
That, that's all you're getting, okay? The whole the whole thing is on our website any second now. For those of you who didn't it's, get enough, it's there. been on there. Thank you. Oh, it's been on. It's been on for how long? Since uh, like the middle of the break. Wow. Well, let me take a look at it. I want to make sure I see where this is. Oh, there's that pig Nancy Grace. Uh, I don't see where. It, oh, Mark Foley instant message chats with congressional page. It's the first story under news, okay? And you can get all the other parts that I'm not going to read on the air. There's no way you're going to get me to read the rest of that. Sunday morning yesterday, Britt Hume compared Mark Foley's behavior to an underage boy, sophomores and juniors in high school, to President Clinton's relationship with Monica Lewinsky. It might be redundant to say that this legitimizes Fox as a serious news network, but I'll say it anyway, where it's Stephen Elliott on the smirkling chimp. The faulty logic is obvious. There's no comparison between consensual legal sex between adults and the stalking and victimizing of children by an adult in position of authority over them. But what's worse is that Fox News would choose out of loyalty to its party to delegitimize and trivialize such a serious crime. This is the same channel that makes so much out of child abuse and abductions when it doesn't hurt Republicans and boost their ratings. This is the channel of Bill O'Reilly, who frequently had Mark Foley as a guest and whose major focus is supposedly preventing exploitation of minors, much as Foley's was in Congress. To equate relationships between consenting adults with the Republican Party that covers for a predator in its own ranks is exactly what you'd expect from Fox News, and that's the shame of it. It's not even surprising. The morality of the issue was an afterthought. How do you like that? Mm-hmm. Not that those good Republicans, like, like that heavy breather Bill O'Reilly, <laughs> not, you know, they certainly don't do any of these things. They're not horny. Right. They're good Christians, baby. They're good that's uplifting right. immoral people. Keep that in mind. And then on Yom Kippur, he's got me reading pornography on here. That's bad. That's it's a plot. Mm-hmm. I know the way you guys work. Twisted plot. How many games will the Dolphins win this season? We got 860 votes. We'll make the thousand easy. Who cares? 263. Who gives a crap? Six hundred eight people said they'll win six. Screw the fish. Hundred and four. Well, I think uh, they're doing a good job of that themselves. Nice call there, Nick. The Nick Saban era coming to an end soon on a football field near you. Ninety-four people said they win five. Eighty-seven people said four. Forty-two said seven. Thirty-four people said solamente dos, two. Thirty-three said they're going to win eight. Likely story. Thirty people said they're going to win three. About thirty, man. Thirty-one people now. See, three. They're getting more optimistic by the second. Twenty-two people said Super Bowl. <laughs> I hate this poll. Fifteen, only 1.7%. Uh, Thirteen people said they're going to win nine. Eight people said they'll win ten. Five people said 11, and three people said playoffs. Oh, there'll be playoffs, all right. Just they ain't going to be in them. That's the problem. How many people said Super Bowl? I put that on there as a joke. That must be the joke vote. 23 yeah. sarcastic bastards said, we're talking Super Bowl, baby. Super Bowl. Boy, too bad it's Jim Kipper, man. We got Joe Zagaki. Joe Zagaki. In for the humper this afternoon. I can't wait to hear that power hour. Can you? What? <laughs> oh. Let me tell you again about your carpets, man. If you don't keep them clean, there's all kinds of schmutz down in there, especially on Yom Kippur. I've been using dry concepts for 21 long years in my homes, and believe you me, I wouldn't call anybody else, and you shouldn't either. Just because you can't see the dirt and mold in your carpet doesn't mean it's not in there. Next to your sink, like I always tell you, your carpets are the biggest collector of germs and crap in your entire house. In South Florida, you tend to go long periods of time without opening windows, which really can breed unhealthy conditions. More reason to dry clean those carpets on a regular basis with dry concepts. 
your carpet lasts cleaner, lasts longer because it takes the dirt out of the fibers deep down in there and stays cleaner longer as well. It comes out softer. The colors come out looking brighter, and your house smells lemony fresh afterward, too. And don't forget, now Dry Concepts has got a plan to make frequent cleaning easy to save you a lot of cash. It's just a fraction of the cost of regular cleaning. Guarantee you'll never have a dirty carpet again if you use Dry Concepts. In Broward, call them at 954-930-7778. That's 954-370-7778 in Broward. Or in Dayton, Palm Beach, it's a toll-free call. 1-800-248-5071. That's 1-800-248-5071. To make a long story short, they're the best in the world. Dry concept. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 AM. You do not belong in here, you damn crackhead. Go smoke your crack, please. I'll show you. I'm going to blow it all up. You're not going to blow me up. I'm going to blow you up. We're going to blow things up. Ah, that uh, was a parody of uh, 24, I believe. Was that a good parody, Mr. Franken? Uh, yes, uh, it was. It was just like it. <laughs> I, uh, I'd like to thank all involved. You can plainly see why Air America is doing so well. Thank you, Mr. Franken. Uh... Any chance we can start getting paid? The, uh, the last person to ask me that was Catherine Lamfer. Ah, you're lucky to be in my presence at all. And I, I might add that if you want to keep your intern job worshipping my greatness, and don't uh, wave or nod to me if you ever see me on, on a plane... That would be Franken on a plane, John. <laughs> you well, Franken? Uh, yes. Uh, who are you? Well, I am oh, how are David? And you are fired. Do the cutbacks. Now scram, cheesehead. All right, let's get down to business here. Who did more for the Democratic Party? FDR or Eugene LaRoche? Eh? Give me a call here. Let's get this network back on the ground. Who the hell are you? I'm Catherine Lamper. <laughs> Roy, get your gooey little hand off of me. I'm <laughs> going to rape you, Mommy. You can't rape me. You're a denial. Ah, uh, <laughs> that uh, doesn't make any sense. No, no, you're right. It, uh, it don't make sense. No, no. Say, uh, you uh, want to end it like a national comedy bit? Oh, uh, you mean like when that... Yeah, like that. Just chop it off in the middle. It's 11 before 11 at QAM. Mad Dog at 2 o'clock. Then after that, you don't want to know. Here's a fact. It's a little caustic early in the morning on a Monday. It must be that Dolphin game and a hurricane just barely squeaking by because we're cursed in South Florida when it comes to football. Facts is I can trust Carlin to sit mute while Man Coder goes on and on spewing bile next to him on The Tonight Show. So I guess the two of them are going to be back on with the Leno again. Oh, I don't know. I don't watch that. I don't, I don't have any interest. I won't watch it and couldn't care less. But I think the last time they had the two of them on the same show, he just kind of like sat over on the edge of the couch and had to resist shooting an arrow through that Adam's apple. Isn't that the way it works, supposed to put an arrow through the uh, apple? That's a great idea. This is dated September 12, 1998, to show the hypocrisy of these right-wingers. Always the same crap, man. I mean, everybody's a pervert, but uh, there's one group of people who just pretend that it's all the rest of us that are perverts. September 12, 1998, St. Pete Times. 
For more than a week, members of Congress said they would avoid partisan politics when they got Ken Starr's report on President Clinton. But when they finally saw it Friday, they split along party lines. Republicans were aghast at Clinton's behavior, with many saying it showed he had lied and abused his power. It's vile, said Representative Mark Foley, Republican of West Palm Beach. It's more sad than anything else to see someone with such potential throw it all down the drain because of a sexual addiction. How do you like that? Mm-hmm. Pot calling the kettle pink. <clears throat> but, of course, she's got a drinking problem, <laughs> Miss Foley. That's right. And once uh, she gets out of that rehab, man, she's going to be just as good as new. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Richard Kim in the nation says, Rest in peace, Bill of Rights. On February 19, 1942, President Roosevelt signed Executive Order 9066, which led to the internment of 120,000 Japanese civilians, two-thirds of whom were U.S. citizens in military camps across the western half of the country effectively stripping Japanese Americans of virtually all constitutional protections, including rights to property, trial by jury, and habeas corpus, 9066 is now widely decried as one of the darkest moments in U.S. history. In 1988, Congress passed Public Law 10383, which apologized to Japanese internees, provided reparations, and created a public education fund to inform the public about the internment of such individuals so as to prevent the recurrence of any similar event. Congress should have enrolled in its own re-education program. By passing the Military Commissions Act, a.k.a. the Torture Bill, Congress has granted the Bush administration extraordinary powers to detain, interrogate, and prosecute alleged terrorists and their supporters. Anyone anywhere in the world at any time may be summarily classified as an unlawful enemy combatant by the executive branch, seized and detained indefinitely in military prisons. As Bruce Ackerman points out in the L.A. Times, the definition of unlawful enemy combatant includes those who purposefully and materially supported hostilities against the U.S., by, say, writing a check to a Middle East charity, and may extend to U.S. citizens. Thanks to the Supreme Court's decision in Hamdi versus Rumsfeld, U.S. citizens at least appear to retain habeas corpus rights, a foundation of Western jurisprudence. Foreign nationals do not. The Act explicitly denies them the writ of habeas corpus, the right to be charged and tried, and the right to appeal any convictions in a court of law. These wartime powers rival and exceed those assumed by Roosevelt during WW2. Even worse, unlike the case of Executive Order 9066, Congress has given President Bush the stamp of legislative authority. In this context, perhaps the most craven vote cast for the torture bill came from Senator Arlen Specter. Though he believes the bill to be patently unconstitutional on its face, he voted for it anyway because he hopes the court will clean it up. But there's no reason to believe the courts will act in any such manner. As Ackerman points out, the Korematsu case, which validated Japanese internment, still stands as precedent. Since 9-11, federal courts in the Bush administration have used Korematsu-like language to define a state of emergency and justify racial profiling. And wingnuts like Michelle Malkin have argued that racial profiling and detention of Japanese during WW2 was justified, as is profiling and detention of Arabs in the war on terror. As Ackerman argues, congressional support of presidential power will make it much easier to extend the Korematsu decision to further mass seizures. Moreover, Hamden v. Rumsfeld, the Supreme Court case that temporarily jeopardized Bush's extrajudicial detentions, specifically said it lacked a congressional approval. Now Congress has given him this approval. For those who believe that mass internment can never happen again, the U.S. now holds 14,000 detainees in prisons in Iraq, Gitmo, Afghanistan, and other undisclosed locations, 14,000 people who can be held indefinitely without a fair trial by secret evidence to which they have no access or that may be obtained by what most consider torture, 14,000 and counting, never again is now. Now, we would never do that again. Right. That was bad. Of course not. Until it became Until expedient. Now, right. I better go out and get that uh, Bob Woodward book. In fact, I could leave right now and be back in less than an hour. I'll play some music. <laughs> no, I'll read that transcript. 
Yeah, I bet you would. 912 votes will have 1,000 uh, before noon on those Dolphins, man. I, I, I still can't get over it. As much as I was hoping that they would lose, and they did, I just I can't convince myself that they lost to the just uh, an abysmal team that was 0-3. And you do realize, Josh, by any uh, with any luck, except for one penalty, they'd be 0-4 now? Yeah. Penalty in that Tennessee game that... And you do realize I did tell you that it would be a really tough game for the Dolphins, and you didn't believe me? Well, I couldn't believe it. I saw it, and I still couldn't believe it. You know what I mean? Just I like you. I saw the Patriots kick Cincinnati ass right there in Cincinnati, and I still can't believe that. Just amazing to me. Not that I would be watching football on the tube. You do understand that. Of course not. Spent all day Sunday watching football on the... Anyway, 925 votes, and we got 25 people said Super Bowl, and four people said playoffs. Oh! All right. Oh, there's Miss Foley on there, Foley Fallout. Hour, today's White House briefing. You'll see a lot. Oh, yeah, Tony Snow. And, of course, she's saying, ah, but a beep, but a boop, but a bop. It's not a big deal. He never stole a freight train. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, QAM. Hey, football fans, QAM and Burger King want you to have Super Bowl 41 tickets. Stop by any participating Burger King restaurant each week and look for that week's special WQAM text message code. Then text that keyword to 25430, and you'll be automatically entered for a chance to win tickets to Super Bowl 41 at Dolphin Stadium. Plus, you'll also be entered for a chance to win tickets to see your favorite hometown team, your team in aqua and orange. WQAM and Burger King will be giving away 25 pairs of tickets to each home game at Dolphin Stadium. Have it your way. 25 pairs of tickets to each regular season home game and a pair of tickets to Super Bowl 41 from Burger King and Sports Radio 560 QAM. Sweet December 31st. See official rules of participating Burger King restaurants for complete details. This is Sports Radio 560 WQAM Miami Fort Lauderdale. This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. This is your brain being chopped to bits by a finely honed meat cleaver. This is your brain in a blender. And this is your brain being stirred into a big pot of chili. Mmm. Brains. Real food for real people. You falsely accused me of giving aid and comfort to bin Laden because of what happened in Somalia. No one knew Al-Qaeda existed then. If you're wrong, then you know it. Richard Clark and all the intelligence people said that I ordered a vigorous attempt to get Bin Laden and came closer apparently than anybody has since. All right. And you guys try to create the opposite impression when all you have to do is read Richard Clark's findings. And you know it's not true. It's just not true. 1101 at 560 WQM. Here's a fact that says if any hazard the Republicans really had with the public's interest in mind, oh, yeah, they would have sent fully to one of those special defagging churches when they first found out about his problem. Uh-huh. Yeah, they would have, like, uh, made him a member of the ex-gays and ex-pedophiles, whatever the hell his problem is. They, uh, they, they got laid on hands. One. Plus, he's got a... And that's what he wanted to do, lay on hands mm-hmm. with that page. And then it goes into a thing. Now, guess how long has that story been on there, Josh? About a half an hour you put it on there? Yeah, about there. It's already number five on the hit parade, moving up the charts like crazy on our uh, website. Well, that's because you didn't finish reading it. Mark, for, I'm not going to finish reading it. Okay? If you, want, you go ahead and you finish reading it, okay? See how long we leave your sorry ass on the air. 
God. 950 <laughs> votes on the uh, poll. And by the way, 26 people say they're smelling Super Bowl. Mm, I smell something. And playoffs, five. That's in last place. That's holding up the rear. Only five. The next Saban era come rapidly going to a close. Although I will say this, at least they scored a touchdown. Right? Yeah. They scored a bonded dolphin offense. They score a touchdown a game is what it boils down to. A couple of field goals, and then pretty much that's it. And that two-point conversion, man, that was a thing of <laughs> beauty. Speaking of uh, okay. Republicans, Republican Charlie Crist has taken a commanded 21-point lead over Democrat Jim Davis in the race to be Florida's next governor, according to a poll in the Herald. 21-point lead, 51-2. About 30, man. In the Zyby International poll. About 16% of the voters are undecided, and nobody has any idea who Jim Davis is anyway. To catch up, Davis will have to win over all of the fence-sitters and peel away Crist supporters. With the popular Republican Governor fat-ass Jeb Bush leaving office and competitive races underway for cabinet and legislature, Florida Democrats had hoped to regain a toehold in Tallahassee this election, but the gaping margin between Crist and Davis at the top of the ticket threatens to drag down other Democratic candidates on the November 7th ballot. If Jim loses by 15 points, our other candidates could really suffer, said State Senator Steve Geller of Hallandale Beach, the Democratic Senate leader. Chris's internal polls have shown such a solid lead that some close advisors say his campaign team has already begun to discuss plans for his administration. He's locking up Republican voters, corralling more than half of the independents, even siphoning a portion of Democrats, according to the Herald poll. How do you like that? Mm-hmm. Republican voters, corralling more than half of the independents, even siphoning a portion of Democrats, according to the Herald poll. How do you like that? Mm-hmm. Among Democratic voters, Davis gets only 65%. In contrast, Chris gets 85% of the Republican vote. Nobody knows Jim, J- Jim Davis from uh, Butch Davis. Who? Butch Davis. Former Hurricanes coach. Former uh, Cleveland Browns coach. A real Yahoo man. A really drooling Yahoo. Butch Davis. Who can't even pronounce his name right. Speaking of polls, boy, all the polls all the time. That's what uh, Mark Foley wants. How's your poll doing? Mine's fine, thank you. I'm asking that. that, that was, I was just quoting some more. You wanted me to read oh, from okay. that, uh, those mm-hmm. emails. Oh, I was on there, too? Well, something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. You oh, wanted to know yeah. whether it was turgid, whether it was... It just, it's or gross. Okay? It's a typical kind of thing you'd expect a congressman to write to a 16-year-old page. Oh, he's moved into number four now. Mark Foley, instant message, message chats with the congressional page. Moved into a tie for fourth and moving up the hit parade. I bet you by the time we leave here at 2 o'clock, it's going to eclipse how Mark Foley represents Brit Hume and Fox News, which is number one at the moment, with over 200 reads. There's my good friend Susan Candiotti. Originated in the state of Florida. It is not clear where that investigation will lead, but the FBI is the lead on it. Susan Candiotti, Yeah, the FBI is uh, in on it. And like that other uh, article said, just the tip of the iceberg. That's what he wanted to see, just the tip. I doubt it. U.S. Senator George Allen's Democratic opponent has closed the gap in the race, reflecting two difficult weeks for the first-term Republican battling claims of racial insensitivity. This is Senator McCockowitz, by the way, for those who are uninitiated. Allen and Jim Webb each had support of 43% of the respondents, according to the new MSNBC McClatchy poll conducted by Mason-Dixon Polling and Research. Mason-Dixon line, baby. Don't you love that whole idea of the Mason-Dixon line? Sure. 12% were undecided, 2% backed independent candidate Gail Parker. Allen, who was, of course, positioning himself for a 2008 presidential race as he sought re-election, led Webb by 16 points in the same poll two months ago. Now it's even Stephen, 43-43, dead even, a dreadlock, a macaca lock. 
Allen saw support drop in a poll since he singled out 20-year-old web campaign volunteer of Indian descent at nearly all-white rally. August 11th called him makaka, a word considered a racial slur in some cultures. And, you know, his mother was from Sudan. Did you know that? No. Where there were, uh, there were many makakas. I see. And evidently it was a word that was used in the family. And, of course, he on Ether Press had the audacity to say, oh, he just made it up. Mm-hmm. The latest poll was conducted amid new widely publicized claims by Allen's former University of Virginia football teammates that in the early 70s, Allen often used the N-word to uh, refer to black people. Allen said in a Friday night interview on the Fox News Network that Webb and his, oh, isn't that uh, oxymoron, Fox News, that Webb and his Democratic allies were fanning the issues to confuse the voters. Webb campaign strategist Steve Jarding said the poll shows Allen is in a tailspin. He's in a Makakowitz tailspin. Uh-oh, school lockdown in Vegas. Nine units arriving. Um, they're well, a day without a school shooting in America the these days is like a day without sunshine, isn't it? We believe we have a perimeter no. around him at that house. Well, a student may have brought a gun Any to school. Show and tell that was a former student. So That's that what Mark Foley said. Uh, that you, you might have some idea who this person is, uh, maybe reports from other students, or what are you getting? Well, the indications now are, yes, we do know who he is. We believe he's a juvenile, and we do think he's a former student who had been trespassed from the school. Isn't that what they said in Casanova, Wisconsin, on Friday, too, was a former student, and then later on it turned out it was a 15-year-old student in the school? You know, all the uh, misinformation all the time. Just make it up. As If you don't have the info, just make it up. That's what we do. We haven't got a clue what the hell's going on, so we just talk crap, you know, make it up. How about Catherine Harris in that plane? What about it? Oh, and I do love the Geico spot with <laughs> with Mini-Me. That's just, yeah. I, that, that's all over the place now. It's birthday. Yeah. <laughs> he is the best. He's great. Yes, he Tell is. Tell us his name again. Vern Troyer. Travis Bickle, is that his name? Yes. You talking to me? Let's see. We got 970 votes before 1130 will be passed at 1,000 mark easy. No problem at all. We're just rolling along. We're doing it. You know, and, and the fact that the Dolphins are off to this 1-3 start and easily, easily could be 0-4. Uh, that's, that means they're going to lose even more millions across the street again on another dastardly Dolphin season. Isn't that going to be bad? Hmm? They're going to probably lose even more than we lost on the Marlins. Anybody want those Marlin games next season? No. Come on, you can have them. We'll wrap it up and put a nice bow on it for you. British troops battling the Taliban are to withdraw from one of the most dangerous areas of Afghanistan. This is from the Brit Times online after agreeing to a secret deal with the local people, with the local yokels. Over the past two months, British soldiers have come under sustained attack, defending a remote mud-walled government outpost in the town of Musakala in southern Afghanistan. Eight have been killed there. It's now been agreed the troops will quietly pull out of Musakala and return for the Taliban doing the same. The compound is one of four district government's offices in the Helmand province being guarded by British troops. Although soldiers on the ground may welcome the agreement, it's likely to raise new questions about troop deployment, Last month, Sir Richard Dinat, the new head of the British Army, warned that soldiers in Afghanistan were fighting at the limit of their capacity and could only just cope with the demands. When British troops were first sent to Afghanistan, it was hoped they would help kickstart the country's reconstruction. But under pre pressure from President Karzai, the Unical Stooge, they were forced to defend Afghan government district centers at Musakala, Sangin, Nawazad, and Kajaki. And Kawasaki. Remember Kawasaki? driven by Kevin Wallace sure. at Pompano Park. 158 and 2. 974 votes on the poll, and excuse me for continuing to go back to that stats page, but isn't it curious that, that we've had that thing on it for like about 35 minutes? <clears throat> that's, that's what the public wants. You're right, I should read the whole thing. I'm telling you. I'm not going to read the whole thing. You can see them. Instant message chats. Oh, yeah, they left the other one. It's in a clear number four and moving yeah. toward the top. A hundred people will read it uh -huh. in just 35, 40 minutes. 
They want to, well, they're, they're politically uh, oriented, don't you understand? Uh, exactly. They're activists. They're civically minded. Yeah, just like Mark Foley is. Well, he's got a <laughs> booze problem, man. That's a catch-all, you know? It's kind of like Mel Gibson. You know? He's not an anti-Semite. He's not a bigot. He's not a Holocaust denier. He's just got a little bit of a <laughs> booze problem. The booze made me do it. Mm-hmm. By the way, all you pseudo-intellectuals out there, quit writing these movie reviews on IMDb. Ooh, it's starting to really piss a lot of us off, including me and George. Who, who do you think writes those things? Are you trying to say... Yay. Is that what you're trying to say? No, the suits. Well, that's what they I just love said. They write the reviews. That's and, what uh, I just said. If, if it weren't for them, there wouldn't be anybody writing reviews. Well, Bertolucci is such a genius. Oh. Uh, the movie The Dreamers was on again over the weekend. Sure. And, of course, uh, you know, there was all that nudity in there, including Eva Green and Michael Pitt and her ugly brother. But at any rate, you know, I was, I was compelled. The Spirit of Christ moved me to watch it again. And I know we talked about it before. And, uh, and then you go on IMDb and you read all these reviews. And you wonder, were they watching the same flick that I was watching? Yeah, I mean it, it was it was okay. There were a lot of uh, suggestive stuff in there, and then some that wasn't even suggestive it was more explicit. But uh, he didn't really have the balls to carry out what the message he was yeah. trying to give, whatever that was. And then this business about well, you know, the three characters were metaphors for something. Oh. They don't know for what. Everything is a metaphor for something, right? Yeah. Well, I know that the uh, Eva Green she was a metaphor for a naked chick, and I got it. Yeah. I, I and uh, Michael right Pitt, away. he was a metaphor for a kid that kept getting up out of the bathtub stark naked with uh -huh. his uh, hanging out. So the important part of the plot wasn't lost on me. In fact, wasn't Mark Foley playing that Kingston Trio song for uh, that 16-year-old page, Hang Down Your Head, Tom Dooley? That's what Michael Pitt was doing in this movie a lot. I think, it was, I think part of that part was filmed at the Dragon Inn, which I didn't know that that was in Paris. And then, of course, the revolution, baby, in the streets at the end of the movie, which made no sense. Let's hit the streets, you know, and all of a sudden they're activists. The uh, kid and his uh, sister. They were, they were active the whole movie. Yeah, well, they were more like uh, nude activists. <laughs> and then, of course, the scene I love is when the parents come in, you know, and the place is in a total turmoil. And then they look under that make-believe that, uh, what, would you, what would you call that thing, a tent that they were sleeping in? The yeah, they, they pitched a tent. <laughs> yeah, that's what it looked like when Michael got up out of the uh, bathtub real fast. But anyway, and then so, so as a punishment for this kind of aberrant, bizarre behavior, the uh, father writes a check and leaves it on the uh, counter there. Uh-huh. But it's Bertolucci. He's a genius. See, I'm just a dumb old slob, man. I, I don't understand any of these things. I'm not a great intellectual like the people who read these reviews. I'm not qualified to do that. I don't want to say a lot of these suits just happen to be gay, but it seems like any time that, uh, that there's any kind of faggery at all, all these suits just rave about it. Like, oh, yeah, but they were disappointed that we never actually saw anything explicit between the brother and Michael Pitt. That if we didn't, that's true. A lot of suggestion there, but uh, Bertolucci didn't have the balls to show it. Yeah, I suggest next time use two girls. Or maybe just and, get and Mark Foley to do the casting. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560. AM. Hey. Cow Manor. Covers over this performance by the Dolphins. Now, Inside Edition, George, the new movie, Death of a President. Have you seen it? I hadn't seen it. It's a fictitious movie about... Uh, I haven't seen the movie. About your death. Uh, Do you know what the word fictitious means? Not really. It means not real, because you're not dead. I know that. Yeah. Um, some people say that you're brain dead. I simply do not agree. What's your IQ? 
300 billion. <laughs> really? What's your IQ? 13.5. Whoa! I don't have intelligence. That's a problem. Oh, we don't have a problem. Let's ignore it. Inside Edition. We'll be right back. 1118 at 560 WQAM. So anyway, uh, Foley says at 808.31, get a ruler and measure it for me. Okay. okay. I he's back out again because you're so uh, demanding. Maybe he's talking about the window. Kid says, I've already told you that. Foley, tell me again. Kid says, seven and a half. Foley goes, mmm. And the reason that it's like uh, it's about <laughs> 20 M's, 20 M's after the U. Mmm. Beautiful. Kid, laugh out loud. Foley, that's a great size. Kid, thank you. And then it goes on. I can't, uh, the word stiff is in there, here and there. But I, I'm just not going to read the rest of it, okay? Just uh, drop in a few little bits and pieces, and you can read it on our website. Okay? okay. Trolling is the term. Old troll. Mark Foley is a, a merry old troll who's got a booze problem, too, he says. <laughs> right. He just says, don't call him merry. I bet you we got 1,000 votes. I think we had 999 last time I checked. 1,004. Let's hear it. Oh! How do you like that? And five people say the Dolphins will make the playoffs. <laughs> and 26 people say they're going to make the Super Bowl, which is one of the uh, great jokes <laughs> in the history of mankind. We're smelling Super Bowl, baby. Smells more like septic tank to me. The FBI's top counterterrorism official harbors lots of concerns, weapons of mass destruction, undetected homegrown terrorists, and the possibility that old-fashioned mobsters will team up with Al-Qaeda for the right price. Though there's no direct evidence yet of organized crime collaborating with terrorists, the first hints of a connection surfaced in a recent undercover FBI operation. Agents stopped the man with alleged mob ties from selling missiles to an informant posing as a terrorist middleman, a pimp. That case and other factors are heightening concerns about a real-life episode of the Sopranos teaming with Osama bin Laden's followers. We're continuing to look for a nexus, said Joseph Billy Jr., the FBI's top counterterrorism official. We're looking at this very aggressively. Uh. The new strategy involves an analysis of nationwide criminal investigations, especially white-collar crime, side-by-side side with intelligence and terrorist activity. We've developed an ability to look harder and broader in a greatly enhanced way to see if there is any crossover, Billy said, in an interview with the ANP. Organized crime syndicates could facilitate money transfers or laundering, human smuggling, ID fraud or explosives and weapons acquisitions, officials said. The options are many for terrorist groups. There are five reputed La Costa Nostra families in New York, Russian criminal enterprises from Brighton Beach in the New York borough of Brooklyn to Moscow, and the emerging Asian crime syndicates that operate in many Islamic countries with al-Qaeda offshoots. A contract study produced recently for the Pentagon and obtained by the ANP warned that the potential for organized crime assisting terrorists is growing. Isn't that what it also said in those emails? It's growing? I think that's what it said. Now, if you were 16 and you were getting emails like this from somebody who's supposed to be a reputable member of Congress... Depending on what she looked like. No, a guy. Oh. I mean, wouldn't your response be... You fair. What, what are you talking about? I mean, wouldn't you yeah. be a little... I don't know. It'd be, you fag, my next call would be like to my lawyer asking him how much can I get out of this. Right, there you go. That would be a good idea. Blackmail sounds like a hell of an idea. <laughs> 1,011 votes on the poll. The conclusion is the Saban era is rapidly drawing to a close. Oh, speaking of those good religionists, you're going to love this. They cry, pray to Bush, and wash out the devil. Welcome to Jesus Camp. Oh, it's been all over the place. A documentary on evangelical Christian children's camps has caused an uproar in the USA. Eh? This is from the Guardian, UK. The children at Kids on Fire summer camp are intent as they pray over a cardboard cutout of President George Bush. They raise their hands in the air and sway, eyes closed as they join the chant for righteous judges. Tears stream down their faces. This is like the madrasas all over again. Absolutely. 
Tears stream down their faces as they're told that they are phonies and hypocrites and must wash their hands in bottled water to drive out the devil. Better not be that Perrier man, that uh, French uh, fry, that the Freedom Fry yeah, water. Yeah, that's got French pee in it. The documentary film Jesus Camp follows three children at the Kids on Fire Pentecostal summer camp in the small city of Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Oh, I bet you that's a hopping town. Tori, age 10, tells the camera while she likes Christian heavy metal rock and roll rather than Britney Spears, that bitch. When I dance, she says, as she cavorts around her bedroom, I have to make sure that that's God. People will notice when I'm just dancing for the flesh. Filmed over a year by two New York-based documentary makers, the film has caused a furor since it opened in the Midwest two weeks ago, setting evangelical Christians against non-believers and separating Pentecostal from non-Pentecostal evangelicals. One group of geskies against another. By the way, a solemn Yom Kippur. You don't say happy Yom Kippur. It's a day of atonement. When you have to atone for your sins, Miss Foley. Have yourself a festive Yom Kippur. You sad old troll. After a TV news report about the film became a hit on com, it attracted media attention across the country. It opens in L.A. today. Let's see. Is this dated today? September 9th. Yeah, it opened uh, this weekend. Saturday. Some critics say that the often raw approach used by the camp's founder, Pastor Becky Fisher, as she prepares the children for war, is too scary. Others accuse the documentary makers of distorting Pastor Fisher's message. Jesus Camp is a sarcastic documentary that paints evangelical, fundamentalist, charismatic, and politically concerned Christians as very shrill, warlike, and dangerous, a critic wrote on the Christian website, movieguide.org. Yeah, boy, we wouldn't want to do that. At one point, Pastor Fisher equates the preparation she's giving children with the training of terrorists in the Middle East. I want to see young people who are committed to the cause of Jesus as the young people are to the cause of Islam, she tells the camera. What did I tell you? Mm-hmm. It's Madrasa's uh, part two. I want to see them radically laying down their lives for the gospel as they are over in Pakistan and Israel and Palestine. Those caught, uh, comments caught the eye of talking head singer David Byrne, who saw the film at a festival in Washington in June. I kept saying to myself, okay, these are the Christian version of the madrasas he wrote on his blog, so both sides are pretty much equally sick. Sick! The film garnered more publicity when Michael Moore screened it against the distributor's wishes at his Traverse City Film Festival. One member of the audience there said after seeing it, the people in the film were so bizarre, yet they were so sincere, they were like Leslie Nielsen in Airplane. The film won the festival's scariest movie award. Extreme liberals who look at this should be quaking in their boots, Pastor Fisher says at one point in the film. She goes on to tell the children, mostly aged 7 to 12, this is a sick old world. Kids, you've got to change things. This means war. Are you part of it? Despite her sometimes unsympathetic portrayal in Jesus Camp, she helped the makers, Heidi Ewing and Rachel Grady, promote the film. They're out to tell a story, and they felt they found ground, and uh, they found it with some of the political things, she told the L.A. Times, and they're out to show the most dramatic, exotic, extreme things they found in my ministry, and I'm not ashamed of those things, but without context, it's really difficult to defend what you're seeing on the screen. The filmmakers say that they're set out to examine the two cultures in contemporary America. Clearly, there are two parallel Americas, they say on the film's website. One is a conservative counterculture comprised of tens of millions of evangelical Christians who feel engaged in a culture war with what they perceive as immorality and godless liberalism. But they deny that they deliberately misinterpreted their subjects or even uh, took sides in the debate. We intentionally made a film that was devoid of a point of view, said the co-director, Rachel Grady. We did expect different reactions, but how stark those differences are has been fascinating. One camp watches it and want to send their kids to the camp. On the other end, there are people who want to call the cops. But the reaction from some evangelical groups has already harmed the film, which opened two weeks ago in some Midwestern states. The Reverend Ted Haggard, who runs the 30 Million Strong National Association of Evangelicals and appears in the film, called on his followers to shun the film. The box office in the Midwest did not meet the distributor's expectations. 
The Reverend Haggard said the film was too literal in its presentation of some of the opinions of Pastor Fisher. My concern is that those on the far left will use it to reinforce their most negative stereotypes of Christian believers, he told Christianity Today. The war talk, he said, was allegorical. It doesn't mean we're going to establish a theocracy and force people to obey what they think is God's law. Ms. Grady said she was disappointed by his reaction. We're very disappointed that somebody with such clout has rejected the movie, she said. I think he doesn't like how he comes across in the movie. Pastor Becky Fisher seems to be enjoying her moment of celebrity. I've gotten thousands of hits on my website, she told the LA Times. I'm wearing sunglasses in the airports. It's really making me nervous. According to the website, Pastor Fisher worked in business for 23 years before taking up a full-time ministry. She managed two family enterprises, a motel and an FM radio station for 10 years, and then owned a custom sign shop and worked part-time as a children's pastor at her local church in Bismarck, North Dakota. Her Kids Ministry International states on its website, We believe that childhood is the time that God designed for people to receive the gospel. And all the controversy generated by the film, Pastor, admit it, Pastor Fisher has defended herself. Excuse me, she says in the film, but we have the truth. How do you like that? She'd be having the truth. Maybe she's got a uh, drinking problem. It's always a good excuse. The biggest names of best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Force Radio 560. Q-A-M. You fairy. That the uh, intercom is going back on the air again. We had that problem once before, and Josh is trying to tell me. Only problem is that you don't give it enough time when you press the button. You got to give it like a, a beat and then talk. Well, what does that mean? Press the other, button. Other, otherwise, it goes on the air. Otherwise, it goes on the air. Just a, a pause, like a second. The first word or syllable of everything. Well, what the hell does that mean? That means that there's a delay when you press that button, like a one second delay before it cuts uh, cuts off the uh, program. Foley says, take it out. Kid huh? says, 
I'm just I'm just reading selected parts oh, okay. here. Okay, I'm trying to do them out of context so they're not as uh, graphic. I, I, I see. Kid says BRB. Be right back. My mom is yelling. Foley. Okay. Then like three minutes later, back. Foley. Cool. Hope she didn't see anything. Kid. No, no. She's computer dumb though. It makes me so mad. Foley. Good. Ha. Uh -huh. What the hell was that? Oh, Beavis and Butthead. What? <coughs> that. Oh. Uh, because she can't do anything, a Foley. Oh, well. Kid says she couldn't figure out how to download a file from an email and open it. Lucky for them, I guess, huh? <laughs> yeah. Folks, better. Oh, and there's, uh, speaking of uh, muckrakers, there's that jackass uh, Tom Fiedler on CNN, no less. Now is over. Well, that other jackass, that Tony correct? Harris. Yes, that's right. At least yes, the uh, right. initial email that went to the page who How's worked for Representative Alexander. How's Gary Harden down at Rice doing, Tom? We did yellow raincoat. messages. Yeah, and at the time, you decided, the paper decided not to write a piece based on the uh, Yeah, they knew about this months ago. what your concerns were. Um, several. Uh, I think that uh, we felt initially that, uh, that the language, uh, although I think it was probably uh, inappropriate, was also ambiguous into in uh, in what it actually meant or what the <laughs> yeah. oh, please let us draw uh, you a the, diagram, Tom. Uh, a big question for us. I think he was trench coat too tight for too long. Initiated by the page rather than What's the back this guy's or initiated by Is that Tom Foley? Foley yeah. because so I this mean, guy. I mean, uh, it, Mark uh, Fiedler uh, as being very mm -hmm. innocuous. Uh, He's the big investigative hotshot from the Miami Herald. Don't you know? Uh, Dick, uh, whatever the hell his name is. Overly friendly, as uh, the speaker has said. Hey, Tom, did you... Overly friendly, right. Yeah, that's how I would describe that stuff I just read. This is a little bit overly friendly. Certainly not sexual and certainly not trolling. No, of course huh? not. Can you Tom, only imagine? That, uh, that this was an isolated incident. In fact, it was the right. only one that had come to our attention. Obviously, in hindsight, when this resurfaced last Thursday on uh, ABC's website, we, uh, we went back and looked at it to see if there was something that we may have missed. And, uh, uh, and of course, along with uh, much of the rest of the... Uh, See, how many, times, how many times in the last year or two have I told you that Mark Foley was... Gay. About uh, how many thousand? About 30, man. A thousand times I told you that? Mm -hmm. Just like Charlie Crist, your next governor. Is. Gay. You know, not that there would be anything wrong with that necessarily, you know. Not that that would automatically make him some kind of a pedophile who was trolling for uh, underage uh, pages on, on the internets. But in this case, it didn't. It was. And Tom Fiedler says, well, we didn't think it was uh, inappropriate. It was vague and ambiguous, right? If I read you the, well, any, any of the stuff I already read you, what kind mm -hmm. of a moron would you have to be not to understand what the hell he's getting at? Right. How big is it? And boy, would I like to be there now and uh, slip off those, uh, well, whatever, yeah. you know. It's the normal conversation that guys have with each other. That's correct. It's guy talk. That's what That's Tom right. Fiedler thinks. Yeah. Gay talk. <laughs> exactly. It's troll talk. TT. Troll talk. A small-town theater owner says he wasn't trying to send Hollywood a message when he shut down for two weeks rather than show the box office leader Jackass 2 or other new releases that he calls drivel. He shut down rather than show Jackass 2. Yeah, well, I saw it, and it's one of the funniest freaking movies I've ever seen. Well, you're not going to be going to this theater then in Ho Hoopston, Illinois. But even if not purposeful, Greg Boardman's blank screen protest is getting a thumbs up from moviegoers who long for family fare and jeers from others who say his theaters are one of the few diversions, especially for children, in this farming town of about 6,000 people. There ain't much going on there. They're not appropriate for really anybody, but I'm sure wouldn't let my kids go to one of them. These are his convictions. He needs to stand by them. Steve Lloyd, 59, of nearby Rossville, Illinois, said of offerings such as Beer Fest and the Jackass sequel that briefly landed a closed sign on the marquee outside Boardman's Lorraine Theater. 
Jackass features <coughs> Johnny Knoxville and his gang performing crazy stunts often involving self-inflicted pain. Beer Fest revolves around fictional siblings who participate in an Olympic-style drinking competition. <coughs> I wonder if Mark Foley's in on that. He's got a drinking problem. The 84-year-old 500-seat Lorraine Theater in downtown Hoopston reopened Friday, showing Disney's football biopic Invincible. Now we're talking. While an 85-seat sister theater down the street relit its screen with Sony's animated kids movie Open Season. I guess the Dreamers is not going to be shown soon in any of those theaters in Hoopston, Illinois. Hoopston native P.J. Klingenpeel said the projector huh. should never have been Klingenpeel. I see. Don't slip on it. <laughs> That's like Belgian fart, Klingenpeel. <laughs> said the projector should never have been turned off in the first place. He said the two-week shutdown only hurt children in this town, where Boardman's movie houses are a, and a skating rink about all they got to do outside of school and sports. All he did was ruin a lot of kids' weekends. That's why I think he's a crybaby, said Klingenpeel, a 30-year-old welder. About 30, man. Boardman says he's sorry that darkened screens cut into the town's limited entertainment options, but he says he'll shut down again if faced with a similar batch of films, adding that contractual issues with the studios, such as guarantees on first-week receipts, sometimes limit his options. Yeah, the Mommy Herald and Tom Fiedler thought that it was just, uh, you know, ambiguous uh, uh, wording there in that exchange of emails. Right. Maybe maybe some of you folks ought to send Tom a couple of diagrams, okay? Draw him some pictures. Oh, he knew exactly what it was. Explain, explain to him what the hell they were talking about. Political <clears throat> partisan rags. Yeah. Piece of crap. Don't want to ruffle any feathers there in the Herald, but of course when it was Gary Hart, when uh -huh. it was the Democratic exactly. senator who was running for president, uh, when he had to take him up on his challenge, you know, he had to put on that yellow trench coat and go chasing Gary and Donna Rice around in that boat. The boat of them. That's the Herald for you, pandering to a group of people who hate them like poison. You know what I mean? Incredibly. That's the crowd. They hate you. They wish you would die, Tom. 19 till noon. Boy, we got a lot of votes on this pool about the Dolphins, and the consensus is they suck. 1,065 votes. And only five people say six people, not playoffs. And 27 people say, we're smelling it, man. We're stinking, uh, thinking <laughs> Super Bowl. That's right. <laughs> Super Bowl. I like that bitch says toilet pool. <laughs> so what are you trying to tell me that when I hit the um, the uh, intercom here? This is this is what we went through. Yes. Yeah. You have to give it a pause before you start talking. Why? And then if I don't, what happens? Everything the goes first, on the ear. Then I... the first syllable of everything you say goes well, on the first ear. syllable. Yeah. Well, how about if I st uh, word like with F? Like, forget about it. Then that would be choice. Let's try well, that. That's not my choice. Yeah, we'll try it during the break. Forget about it. I say fire truck. <laughs> Crimes with... And then boy, that's your sucks. Yeah. Okay, enough already with the uh, filth today, okay? It's only Monday and already you're starting out. Can not really good. Enough? Not good. And if that's not pornographic and I've seen enough for you, we got Joe Zagaki. Joe Zagaki. For the humper. Sucks, okay? because Yeah, okay, because it's a Yom Kippur. Hey, listen, isn't it high time you took the stress and worry out of last-minute hurricane preparations? Don't be a schmuck again and wait till a hurricane is just upon uh, uh, your neighborhood because then it's too late. The Hurricane Shutter Outlet manufactures easy-to-use accordion shutters, and now they provide expert installation, too, if you need them to stick it in there for you. 954-237-7083. They feature roll-downs, accordions, and panels. Just let the Hurricane Shutter Outlet custom make or even install shutters for you. Call 954-237-7083 right now and get on your way to top-notch protection. The Hurricane Shutter Outlet is family-owned and operated. They're licensed, insured, and Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach County approved. They stock all sizes of clear polycarbonate hurricane panels and aluminum panels cut to your specifications and ready for pickup, delivery, or like I said, if you want, they'll even install them for you, too. 
The public and all contractors are welcome. Major credit cards accepted. And when you do call, be sure and tell them Old Neil sent you by because they'll give you 100 bucks off a minimum order of 350 square feet just for mentioning my name. The Hurricane Shutter Outlook, call 954-237-7083 or log on to their website, hurricaneshutteroutlet.com. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Radio 560 QAM. This station presents Real American Heroes. Real American Heroes. Today we salute you, Mr. eBay Captain of Industry. Mr. eBay Captain of Industry. Whether it's Grandma's prosthetic leg, a G.I. Joe with Kung Fu grip, or a water pump from a 79 Gremlin, you smell money where others smell garbage. One man's trash is another man's auction. Armed only with a digital camera, a PC, and a detailed knowledge of Yu-Gi-Oh cards, you, Mr. eBay, Captain of Industry, have created an empire. The Donald Trump of cyberspace. Your reserve is always low. So the next time you purchase a set of vintage clown figures or a Mama's Family Betamax box set, be sure to use PayPal and give positive feedback to Mr. eBay, Captain of Industry, a real American hero. Mr. eBay, Captain of Industry. You made how much off that autographed Kevin Federline hat? Is that what Mark Foley said to that kid, handle that package carefully? I think he did say something like that. Well, that's up to number three, by the way, in our hit parade. And by the end of the show, that's going to be the most read thing on our website, Mark Foley's Instant Message Chats with Congressional Page. Maybe, you know, since you want to have a lot of hits on the website, you should just change the format to all the filthy Republican sex stories. Oh, well, we don't have that much room, though. Josh gets tired after the first 40, 50 stories. Yes, I do. Hey, listen, there's only like about 17 of them on there, and it's already number three with a bullet. Yeah, not a bad weekend. Hmm? Not a bad weekend for stories. There you go. I didn't want to overdo it. Plus, I didn't have much energy after a 12-hour marathon losing my ass at Woodbine Saturday and giving back most of what I won last week. I'll tell you one thing. It's like they got a camera going there, and if you win a certain amount, they make damn sure they get it back as fast as they can because you might, you know, skip town or something with their money. Smart. Delray parishioners had mixed reaction in the wake of charges against priests. Remember that story on Friday about those two priests that ripped off all of that cash? Yeah. The mercy of the St. Vincent Ferrer faithful was tested yesterday in the first full day of Mass since those two former priests were charged with stealing as much as $8.6 million in church funds. What's $9 million among friends? Hundreds attended Masses throughout the day at the Catholic Church on George Bush Boulevard in Delray Beach, services that on the surface seemed like any other day. But these are no ordinary times. Bishop Gerald Barbarito of the Palm Beach Diocese told parishioners, these are very serious allegations against the priest assigned here, Barbarino told the 8 a.m. congregation. Barbarino, wasn't he in, like, uh, happy days? Welcome back, Cotta. Welcome back, Cotta. What? That wasn't John Revolta, was it, Barbarino? Yeah. Oh, no. Hey, uh, Johnny. You fairy. There are feelings of hurt, of betrayal. The Lord holds high standards for all of us. Most of all, those who take leadership positions in the church, he be saying. Barbarino. Barbarino's remarks came at the end of an hour-long service in which little was mentioned of what the priest had been or what they've charged with. The closest Monsignor Leonard Badia came was in an opening sermon on what happens to those who sin, a speech tinged with sadness and frustration. You know what happens to him, don't you? No. What? Well, I'll find it here somewhere. They all oh, help. That's right. I see. I hope we have a smile on our face this morning. It's been a difficult week, he said, but what would life be like without crisis? But we're here because of Christ. 
Or maybe he's here because of the governor, the next governor. Yay. Chris, following year-long investigation in church finance, I don't want to read that thing again about how much they, 8.6, oh, almost 8.7 million. Yeah. In offertory cash in the scheme going back decades. Yeah, the church is upset because only they're allowed to steal from the parishioners. Police say Skeen and Gwynan used some of their money to buy properties in Palm Beach County in their native Ireland to pay for... Oh, they must have a drinking problem. <coughs> Irish. To pay for gambling trips to Vegas and the Bahamas and to support women the probable cause affidavit describes as girlfriends. Oh, at least they had girlfriends. That's that's a step in the right direction. They a prize or something for them. Yeah. Makes the story very hard to believe. Skeen served St. Vincent for 40 years until his retirement in 2003, presiding over the church as it grew from a few hundred to several thousand parishioners, and the suckers just keep coming back. He was arrested Wednesday night at Palm Beach International Airport after returning from Ireland and posted bond on Friday. Meanwhile, possibly believe, uh, police believe Gwynn is vacationing in Australia, possibly on a cruise. Oh, yeah, wouldn't be the first pr- priest we've seen cruising. Gwynn was pastor at St. Patrick's Church in Palm Beach Gardens before taking over for skiing at uh, St. Vincent, but left in 2005. Maybe it was a skiing trip. Delray Beach police didn't return phone calls and pages on Sunday. Pages. Oh, no, not, go again. they don't got pages, too, now in the church. It's not enough for the altar boys. They've got to bring the pages in, too. So what did I tell you about that one page they kept showing on this morning? My God. Screamer. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Of course not. 1,105 votes on the pool. We'll make 1,200 easy today. How many games will the Dolphins win this season? Who cares? 334. You know what percent that is? About 30, man. 30 and a half percent. Say, who the hell cares? 135 people say they'll win six. 128 say they'll win five. Screw the fish, 125. Screw the fish. You first. No, thank you. 118 say they'll win four. 54 say they'll win seven. 43 people say they'll win eight, which means they'd have to win seven of their last 12 games. And by the way, you do want to know where they're playing next week, don't you, Josh? No, where's that? In New England? Yeah. What do you think the chances are Dolphins win in that game on a scale of zero? Less than that. 34 people said three. 29 people said Super Bowl. They must have seen the word bowl and then immediately rushed to vote. A premature evaluation. I hate this pool 22. Oh, you know the interruption in that uh, chat? Let's see. How long did that thing go on? 7.25 until 8. Went on damn near an hour. 8.17. Uh, 8.18. 8, so 53 minutes. And there was a little interruption there. I think one or both went out to get a towel. <laughs> I hate this pool 22. Only 1.9%. They like it. 17 people said the Dolphins will win 9. 12 people said they're going to win 10 games, which means they'd go 9-3. and three. Of course, they did win those last six last year, right? Is that going to happen again? No. No. Playoffs 8, and the 8 people said they're going to win 11 games. Get the butterfly net and round those bastards up. Even George knows better than that. So, where do you do it? The shower? Getting back to uh, sports... Roger Clemens, Andy Pettit, and Miguel Tejada were among the players that a former Major League pitcher accused of using performance-enhancing drugs, according to a federal agent's affidavit the L.A. Times reported Saturday on its website. How come they didn't talk about Barry in here, Josh, your buddy? Barry, the uh, ringleader. What do you mean? They can't stop talking about Barry with that crap. The agent for... Uh, it is crap. Leave him alone, okay? Leave a T.O. and Barry alone, all those slime balls. The agent for Clemens and Pettit denied the accusations. Baltimore teammates Brian Roberts, Jay Gibbons, and Tejada... Also implicated in these sworn statements at the time, said an Orioles spokesman said the team hadn't seen the report, had no comment. I wonder if Rafael Palmero was with the Orioles when this was going on. I bet you he was. Remember Roseanne, Rosanna Dana was going on about Raffi did this and Raffi's such a great uh, yada yada yada. Boy, she is such a bitch. 
In June, federal agents searched reliever Jason Grimsley's home in Arizona after the pitcher admitted using human growth hormone, steroids, and amphetamines. Grimsley was later released by the Diamondbacks, suspended 50 games by Major League Baseball, hasn't played since then. In a 20-page search warrant affidavit signed by IRS Special Agent Jeff something or other, Novitsky, the Times reported he said Grimsley identified other players who had used drugs. Those names were blacked out when the document was released. The Times said an anonymous source with access to the document, minus the cross-outs, let the newspaper see it, but kept a copy. They let him uh, see it. That's all that Mark Foley wanted. He wanted mm-hmm. to see it. The Times said a second source would identify the other players provided additional details about the document. According to the affidavit, the Times said Grimsley told investigators Clement and Pettit used athletic performance-enhancing drugs. The affidavit also alleged Grimsley told federal agents that Roberts Gibbons and Tejada took anabolic steroids. You're not supposed to say Tejada. You're supposed to do it like, um, what's his name does, McCarver. Tejada, like he says, Jorge, Jorge Posada. Mm. Like a real illiterate jackass, dumbass jerk. God, I can't stand it. Novitsky also was the lead investigator in the Bay Area Lab Cooperative Probe. Two Balco officials and Barry Bonds' personal trainer, Greg Anderson, served jail time after guilty pleas in that investigation. How come Barry's fat ass ain't in the slammer? Even Josh agrees he ought to be. Grimsley complained to friends. The Times said that federal agents attributed statements to him that he didn't make. I'm told he's denied saying all of this. Randy Hendricks, who represents Clemens and Pettit, told the AP Saturday night, it's an agent's recollection about a conversation he had about conjecture. I've grown weary of having to defend Clemens from innuendo and conjecture about every six months for the last several years when he's complied with all the rules and regulations, Hendricks said. Andy is just surprised and stunned at it and has no knowledge of any such activity. Clemens and Pettit pitch for Houston. The Astros won Atlanta on Saturday in 5-4. Any interest in that? No. No, nobody cares about the Astros. Tejada, Gibbons, and Roberts had left the clubhouse in Boston after Baltimore's 5-4 victory Saturday night when AP reporters saw a comment. And bada-beep, bada-boop, bada-bop. All major league players are tested at least twice a year for banned drugs. There's no test for HGH, but it is banned by baseball. HGH. Human growth hormone. Yeah. I'm sure that Barry Bonds would be. He just he just got a little bit of that brill cream, man. A little dab will do him. He smears it. He smears it where the uh, moon don't shine. The biggest names. Well, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560. QAM. This is Mark Morgan. It's the 12 to 1 hour on QAM. Chris is gay. He's a flaming homo. That's what Florida Christian rednecks don't know. Charlie Crist is a screaming leaping thing. Yay. Crist's a poop. Ask him if he'll say no. Just for proof, he'll bring his voice down real low. Charlie Crist is gubernatorially gay. Christ is gay, for many bends right over, swishy fay, and thinks a gar smoker, come what may, without letting his loafers be floats away. Christ is gay, but fervently denies it, right wing redneck Christian types don't buy it, but Gang Gang Charlie likes a daisy chain. Charlie Chris is a screaming leaping fan. Hey, you're bad. I missed that spot in last break and you didn't tell me. Hey, you missed that spot. Well, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about you. you don't have the log. Josh has got the log. Josh hey. is bad. I just, you know, 
You're going to get a spanking. I, I knew you would send shit on the Mark way back. Mark Foley's going to stop by and give you a spanking pretty soon. Well, you know, it's so rare that I see one of these on the log that it's, uh, you know, one of those things. I guess I could do it right now, couldn't I? That's what I'm talking about. Well, I'm going to do it right now. Experience the difference at Mercedes-Benz of Pompano. Mercedes-Benz of Pompano is now under new ownership and new management, too. At Mercedes-Benz of Pompano, it doesn't matter what time of month you buy your vehicle, whether it's the brand-new 2007 E-Class, their full-on convertibles, or their humongous, unbeatable selection of certified pre-owned cars. When you choose Mercedes-Benz of Pompano, you have over 200 employees dedicated to providing incomparable service for you, too, like complimentary loaner vehicles and complimentary car washers. Browse their indoor expo with over 150 new and used vehicles or click on BenzPompano.com. Mercedes-Benz of Pompano open every day, Monday through Friday, 9 till 8, Saturday, 9 till 6, every Sunday, noon to 5. Experience the difference. Call 1-800-NEW-BENZ. You'll find them at I-95 and Copens Road. That's 1-800-NEW-BENZ for Mercedes-Benz of Pompano, a Mercedes-Benz dealer like no other. Oh, man, I'm gagging on it. I think that was in the email, too. 1,131 votes on the poll, man. The doll fans are really down in the dumps. They're depressed. Like that. Just like that. Wait till you're Joe Zagaki. I can't wait to hear him and the Mad Dog in the Power Hour between 4 and 5. I don't have time for that. i got to rush right out after the show and go buy the Bob Woodward book. Good. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting, though, that the first two books he wrote about Bush at war were like ass-licking, uh, you know, mm-hmm. tributes and the cover-ups. And now all of a sudden it's like he got religion suddenly. Well, he wants to sell books to everybody. Oh, is that what it is? In other words, the people who want a little honesty, too? Mm-hmm. New scandal for Miss Michael, by the way. Did you see this? No. Pop star George Michael has been cautioned by police for carrying cannabis when found passed out in his car. This is from Sky News. It's the second time in eight months that the 43-year-old music legend has been found slumped over the wheel of his vehicle. Michael was found by officers after worried motorist dialed 999. How do you like that? They don't do 911 over there. They do... In Britain. I see. To report his car was causing an obstruction of traffic lights in Cricklewood, North London. Scotland Yard confirmed that police arrested the driver on suspicion of being unfit to drive and for possession of what was believed to be cannabis. Cannabis! Oh, my God. He was taken to hospital before being cautioned for the drug offense and released on police bail pending further inquiries on his fitness to drive. The arrest raises fresh fears over the health of the singer who has just started a world tour. His partner, Kenny Goss, told the Sun newspaper that Michael had nothing to say. He said, he's fine. Oh, we're fine. And I've got him at McDonald's. Michael was cautioned by police. Whatever the hell that means. Michael was cautioned by police for possession of cannabis after being found in a similar state at Hyde Park Corner in February. At the time, he issued a statement claiming it was my own stupid fault as usual and later penned a song inspired by the experience. In April, the former Wham! star was in the news again when he collided with three parked cars near his North London home. He's got a little, He's like Mark Foley in more ways than one, okay? He's got a little <coughs> couple of problems. Hey, at least you don't deny some of them. Well, that's for sure. Not anymore, anyway. See, all you idiots out there that go on the Internet, it's a maggot, man. It's a maggot magnet. Mm-hmm. It's a gutter. Get in these chat rooms, and God only knows who they'll... Maybe even Tom Fiedler at the Herald is sitting there with his big yellow trench coat on, uh, intercepting your emails and reading them and transcribing them, and getting ready for the front page of tomorrow's edition. Wait till you hear this. Pakistani rule in Mumbai attacks. Remember we talked about how Bombay is now Mumbai? Yes. I see. Once again, it says, this is from a prison planet, once again, government's intelligence agency is revealed to be behind terror attacks and in control of the Islamists. The ISI is basically an extension of the CIA in the Middle East. Pakistan's intelligence agency was behind the train blast in Mumbai in July that killed 186 people, Indian police say. 
The attacks were planned by the ISI and carried out by the Islamist militant group Lakshar-e-Tuiba, based in Pakistan, Mumbai's police chief Bisan. A.N. Roy said the students' Islamic movement of India had also assisted. Pakistan rejected the allegations and said India had given no evidence of Pakistani involvement in the attacks. We have solved the July 11th bombing case. The whole attack was planned by Pakistan's ISI and carried out by Lakshar A. Toiba and their operatives in India. Bombay Police Commissioner A. N. Roy told a news conference. Actually, it says here Mumbai and then in parentheses Bombay. Okay. Mr. Roy said 15 people have been arrested and some of the bombers have received training in Pakistan. Pakistan's Minister of State for Information rejected the allegations. He told the BBC, we're still studying the Indian statement. Needless to say, this is once again a baseless allegation, yet another attempt by India to malign Pakistan. Oh, don't malign them, just drop a man. They all got the nukes. Just to start a big conflagration over there. Una bomba grande. Pakistan denied any involvement in the blast, and uh, Lakshar A. Toiba condemned the attacks. India postponed talks with Pakistan after the bombs, but Indian Prime Minister Singh and Pakistani President Pervert Musharraf met recently in Cuba, where they said they'd agree to resume talks. The Indians and the Pakis, baby. It's the North and the South Koreans. It's the uh, Irish and the uh, Catholics in India, in uh, Ireland, wherever the hell it is. Ireland, the scene of, wasn't it Ireland, India, and uh, England in that movie? What Kristen and his old? Oh, you're asking me? England. No, you didn't see it yet. No. Well, when are you going to get around to it? Josh will his copy. Yeah, I got it right here. No, you don't have a copy. You saw it in the theater. <laughs> no, I, I sold it. It sold? I sold it. Tristan is sold? She is done. I'd, I'd have bit a few bucks on that. 1145. Yeah, I, I, old, I think, is probably the word. After all, he is 28, you know. Too old for Miss Foley, I guess. Dino Discovery. This is from the California Academy of Sciences publication, Science Now, which I'm sure you read religiously every day. Cover every day. Cover, pillar to post. Scientists see the softer side of Tyrannosaurus Rex. I bet you you got a little T-Rex there in that uh, thing. Got some T-Rex? Yeah, I do. When paleontologists find fossilized dinosaur bones during a dig, they usually do everything in their power to protect them. Oh, oh, not that kind? Using tools like toothbrushes to carefully unearth the bones without inflicting any damage. However, when scientists found a massive Tyrannosaurus Rex thigh bone in a remote region of Mont Montana a few months ago, they were forced to break the boat in two in order to fit into the transport helicopter. This act of necessity revealed a startling surprise. Startling! Oh, my God. Soft tissue that had seemingly resisted fossilization still existed inside the bone. This time, we here bad to the bone. This tissue, including blood vessels, bone cells, and perhaps even blood cells, was so well preserved that it was still stretchy and flexible. That's what that kid told Mark Foley, too. He said it's still stretchy and flexible. A scanning electron microscope revealed that the dinosaur blood vessels, which are 70 million years old, are virtually identical to those recovered from modern ostrich bones. The ostrich is today's largest bird, and many paleontologists believe that the birds are living descendants of dinosaurs. An ostrich. Scientists may be able to confirm this evolutionary relationship if they can isolate certain proteins from the recently discovered T-Rex tissue. These proteins could also help solve another puzzle, whether dinosaurs were cold-blooded like other reptiles or warm-blooded like mammals. Does this discovery of soft dinosaur tissue mean that scientists will soon be able to clone a Tyrannosaurus rex? Probably not. Most scientists believe that DNA cannot survive for 70 million years. Then again, before this discovery, most scientists believe that soft tissue couldn't survive for 70 million years either. Surprise, it did. Soft tissue, baby. Yeah. wonder what From Mark Foley thinks about that. Huh? wonder what Mark Foley thinks about that. No comment. That's all, that's all you know now. 
That's hey, all you know. You want me? You want me to go back and reread it and yeah. read parts that I left out? Let's have some more. It's high comedy. And about uh, pull it out. Uh huh. What's he talking about? Let's see. Number three and almost number two. It, it, another hour. It's going to be number uh -huh. one on our hit parade on the website. Mark Foley instant message chats with congressional page. They want to read a man. It's a, it's an intellectual thing. Don't you understand? It's just like mm -hmm. that movie, The Dreamers. It was intellectual. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's right. The plot was so they didn't subtle. watch it just for all that nudity in there. I did. Well, so did I. But the real pseudo-intellectuals out there, they were watching it to get the Bertolucci feel, man. They wanted to feel it. I was. That's what it was all about. They wanted to understand the metaphorical uh, whatever the hell. It's just amazing uh, to me how you can sit and watch a movie and just make all Oh, well, uh, the, the uh, director and the writer, they had this in mind. And, uh, yeah, right. How the hell do you know? That's the criteria for suits. If you can't tell what the plot is, then it's brilliant. It's genius. And especially oh. if it's got faggery or, or well, implied that or otherwise. Well, movie didn't have any plot. That, I mean, there that, was some that means it was a, a genius. genius in there, like the fact that the brother and the sister were like incest is best. Mm -hmm. There was a oh, very Oscar. dangerous relationship going on there. And, of course, they were twins. So that, there, there's another aspect to it. Another ass to it? There was another ass. Well, there was a lot of ass in that movie. Was her ass packed? Packed <laughs> with ice. <laughs> make, yeah, the, make, the, hole. make the yeah, make the swelling go down in that ice hole. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing: there's sure not a lot, lot of optimism about those dolphins. Although six continues to be the uh, top uh, number, 141 people, including me, said they're going to win six. Just try to be generous, okay? We don't want to kick them while they're down after having lost to a little girls team. The Houston Texans, my ass! What a joke! What a disgrace! What an embarrassment, and what a great opportunity for the uh, sports nerds to seize on all week long. <coughs> the Nick Saban era coming to a close very, very soon. After the Patriots kick their sorry ass next week up in New England, what do you think is going to happen then when they start the season one and four? Think they're still going to be smelling Super Bowl? Smelling something. They're going to be smelling something, baby, and it's, it's going to be in the bowl, too. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Real Rogers. Sports Radio 560, QAM. And they look like women. Did you see our ratings for the last book? Yeah, I know who's most that is. Sure, couldn't possibly be us. Watch your back, back, or you won't wait for more, no, more, no, 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 no. Watch your back, back, or you won't wait for more, no, more. I got enough, I gotta think about on top of getting raped, and then I don't need a rating that's a minus eight. Don't care what you do, long as it's understood, you gotta wait a little harder on the guest you book. Or else you got to go. There's a lot of fat producers, you know. That's right, watch your back, or you won't wait for more, no more, no more, no more, no more. Watch your back, or you won't wait for more, no more. Oh, brother, all that blubber, I don't understand. Now you can eat from a trough while using both hands. You think that much you made a ratings fall? You just like Clinton, it's all your fault. Better straighten your fat ass out. Or we'll take the food out of your mouth. That's right. Watch your back, Jack. Or you won't wait for more, no more, no more, no more, no more. Watch your back, Jack. Or you won't wait for more, no more. Listen what we say. Watch your back, Jack. Or you won't wait for more, no more, no more, no more, no more. Watch your back, Jack, or you won't wait for more no more. You know who I am? You're lucky you got a job here. Try that one more time and you're up. Oh, look at that. Multiple people shot at Amish school in Pennsylvania. Even the Amish. Oh, the world's going nuts. Guns. Yeah. 
All the school shootings all the time, as they say in Ethiopia, Zion America. Let's see if it was an Amish person doing the shooting, though. They're not supposed to have guns. Right. And they, 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 I didn't think they went to shul either. Or school. Multiple people shot at Amish school in Pennsylvania. Reports, no they go to sixth grade. This again at an Amish school in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. There are two schools near the scene of the shooting. We haven't been able to pinpoint the exact school. Once again, this is described as a one-room schoolhouse. Um, there may even be a hostage situation unfolding right now. Uh, we will continue to follow the latest developments. Okay, Tony, get lost, you idiot. Seth Stein is used to jetting around the world to create stylish holiday homes for wealthy clients. This means that this is in the British Independent, by the way. This means the hip architect is familiar with irritations of heightened airline security post 9/11, but not even he could have imagined being mistaken for an Islamic terrorist and physically pinned to a seat while aboard an American Airlines flight, especially as he has Jewish origins. Oh, How do you like wow. that? What's the difference? Yet this is what happened when he traveled back from business trips to the Crooks and Caicos Islands via New York on May 22. Still traumatized by his ordeal, the 47-year-old is furious that the airline failed to protect him from the gung-ho actions of an overzealous passenger who claimed to be a police officer. He's now instructed a team of top U.S. lawyers to act for him. The London-based interiors guru, whose clients have included Peter Mandelson and the husband and wife design team, Susan Clemens and Ignacio Ribeiro, said he felt compelled to speak out to protect other innocent travelers from a similar experience. How do you like that? Mm -hmm. This man could have garroted me, and what was awful was that one or two of the passengers went up afterward to thank him, said Mr. Stein. He has since been told by airline staff he was targeted because he was using an iPod, had used the toilet when he got on the plane, and that... His deep tan made him look like he was an Arab. Well, I'm convinced. I was terrified, but I'm lucky that I was able to contact the lawyer. He said, yet someone else who's not assertive could be left completely traumatized. That's traumatized with an S because it's British. Let's see, what's this insipid fact? Hector says, could you please give out Mark Foley's email address? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm a 16-year-old high school student in Miami. I am a bottom cut and of Cuban descent. Thanks in advance, Hector. Yeah. <laughs> what more can you want, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> Mark will be right over, Hector, okay? He'll bring a towel. Yeah. He'll bring a towel made of some very interesting material. And you'll say, can that be felt? <laughs> can I get back to my story here about this poor schlepper on the plane? All right. I was terrified, but I'm fortunate that I was able to contact Lur. He said, the incident highlights uh, the increased likelihood of innocent passengers being picked on because they're perceived as suspicious or foreign-looking, especially following the alleged plot to blow up airliners with liquid explosives. Earlier this month, a plane from London to Washington, D.C. made an emergency landing escorted by fighters after passengers alerted crew the behavior of a female traveler. Later emerged she had suffered a panic attack. How about that guy that lay down in the aisle and poured a glass of water on his head and then uh, started spritzing uh, uh, stuff on a jockey? Remember that? Oh, yeah. That was, last, that was just last week. In Mr. Stein's case, he was pounced on as the crew and other travelers looked on. The drama unfolded less than an hour into the flight. All settled down with a book and a ginger ale. The father of three was grabbed from behind and held in a headlock. The guy just told me his name was Michael Wilk, that he was with the New York Police Department, that I've been acting suspiciously and I should stay calm. I could barely find my voice because I couldn't believe what was happening, said Mr. Stein. He went into my pocket, took out my passport and my iPod. All the other passengers were looking concerned. Eventually, a cabin crew explained the captain run a security check on Mr. Stein after being alerted by the police that this, uh, that this had cleared him. Oh, in other words, when they did the uh, security, security check. check yeah. The passenger had been asked to go back to a seat before he had restrained Mr. Stein. When the plane arrived in New York, Stein, 
was met by apologetic police officers who offered to fast-track him out of the airport before he could get a hold of his lawyer and file a quick suit. Right. Mr. Stein said, the other passengers looked at me and said, what did you do? It was so humiliating. The fact that he, the police officer, uh, uh, was something, I don't know. This is chopped off again on the right-hand bar. I think I did very well as far as I went, and that's, sure. that's the end of that. You got I just it. got interrupted now. I just dropped my towel. Just mom came in the room. <laughs> well, what does she know about computers? 1,181 votes. We'll have 1,200. Oh, yeah, we're going to do 13 today, baby. Lucky 13. Lucky 13. Now, if Danny's got anything left in the tank... What do you think, Josh? Bring him back? Hey, couldn't, wouldn't be any different. Couldn't be any worse, man. A lot of people used to call him a statue because he was rather immobile. He'd get rid of the ball instead of getting sacked, though. Mm-hmm. They should have tried the Statue of Liberty play, although they, they got the statue part down to a science. Nice going, Donnie. He continues to be undaunted in spite of the fact that they keep losing and losing and him sticking the joint out. Man, do they stink. Wow. But you know what's going to happen next year? They're going to have Ricky back. There's an article about Ricky in the paper the other day. They can't understand his blasé attitude that he just doesn't give a crap. That, that was the essence of the article about the Argos. You know, Ricky's playing for the Toronto Argos. You do know that. Yeah, he was. Well, what do you mean he was? Oh, is well, he? that's right. Season's over now? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. Uh, uh, yeah, all that crap, you've got to be kidding me, man. you got hockey season coming up on Wednesday. we got hockey, baby. You better get uh, your priorities straightened out. Back of the goal, finally, is Engelhart. Trying to settle things down. Boy, the bathtub's slowing one way here tonight, isn't it? Leafs have 19 shots in the first period. The Senators now have 11 in the second. The Leafs have had just two. Yeah, well, they stink. What can I tell you? Hockey season starts Wednesday, okay? And the Panther season starts Friday. Panthers and the Bruins, baby. We'll have Gildy right on the air. Doing a hell of a job. You're doing it, Gildy. In fact, Gildy's going to be on tomorrow night between 7 and 10, including the Florida Panthers preseason special. Between 8 and 9 tomorrow night, right here on QAM. You want to know why? Why? Because the Marlin season's over. We've got no more, no more Marlin games to stick on there to kill a lot of time. So now we've got, like, Lynn and Curtis tonight, and we've got Gildy tomorrow, and Beast and Jesse on uh, Wednesday. Wow. Got a lot of, lot of uh, time to be tefillin'. You know what I'm saying? What are you saying? It's your Orthodox station, man. We're laying tefillin' on Yom Kippur, no less. And by the way, you Orthodox out there, what the hell are you doing listening today? You're going to burn in hell. Turn off that radio. How about the thing with the Amish? Wouldn't that be something if uh, the kid was Amish? Well, if it was at an Amish school, I imagine. Maybe oh, you're talking uh... about Tom Foley? <laughs> I'm talking about Pennsylvania. Lancaster okay. County, the multiple shooting. That's what Tom Foley wanted to see. He wanted to see some shooting going on. No gun necessary. Mm-hmm. 1,185. Well, we got, I'm telling you, we got votes up the old uh, shoot. Speaking of uh, Lancaster County. School shootings every day, and the public is like, ah, oh, gee, that again? Boy, kids with guns. And... Got a story about Krispy Kreme. This is so perfect, man. Mm. The police in Boynton Beach, got to do the break first. Police in Boynton Beach are like, we're running out of room where they had congested police headquarters, so they open up a new extension of the headquarters at a donut shop. Perfect. Isn't that perfect? Krispy Kreme, which you notice uh, how popular that was for a while? Until people realized that all of a sudden they were like dying from all that heavily concentrated sugar. Sugar and dough. Or maybe they realized Dunkin' Donuts was better. Ooh. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, man. I'm giving Mark Foley your home number and your email address. The biggest names of best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560. QAM. God. <laughs> 
everybody knows, one of the hippest things to do these days is to open a restaurant-slash-mini-indoor theme park in the heart of Manhattan. And that's why the high-powered folks at the National Rifle Association are pleased to announce Cafe NRA. At Cafe NRA, every food item is unique. That's because our chefs always cook your food over an open fire. And speaking of food, at Cafe NRA, you'll find only the finest, freshest meats. Welcome to Cafe NRA. Would you like to try our kill of the day? You mean catch of the day. No, ma'am. Kill. But Cafe NRA is about more than just food. It's about guns and fun. For instance, while you're dining, be sure to play a quick game of find the crosshairs in your suit, find them, and get a free clip of ammo for the automatic of your choice. And before or after dinner, you'll find it's fun to get loaded in our bar, where every drink is served in shot glasses. And for those of you who want to enjoy the fun of shooting something yourself, Cafe NRA offers some of the most realistic shooting games you've ever seen. Play such shooting favorites as, I didn't know the gun was loaded, I thought Grandpa was a burglar, and, but officer, the guy cut me off in traffic. Cafe NRA, we're blowing the competition away. Well, let's see. We got the lockdown in North uh, Vegas at some school there, two schools. The uh, multiple people shot at Amish school in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Just another day in paradise, man. Crazy people with guns, kids with guns, stuff like that. Boynton Beach Major Jerry Taylor admits the place he's found to house police officers who work out of the congested police headquarters will elicit chuckles. <laughs> not big like uh, you know guffaws, not belly laughs, but chuckles. You know, we, I think we left that off when we did our candy pull, Chuckles. How could we do that? Remember Chuckles? Sounds like a do-over, yeah. Do they still uh, they still make them? I don't know. They were like a silver wrapper and like square, right? They were like yeah. chunky squares. But good-humored police are ready to brace themselves for the batch of jokes. In fact, bring them on, they say. Bring on the Krispy Kremes. I can't believe you actually said that Dunkin' Donuts is better. That's what Josh said. That's what I'm saying. I can't believe he said that. Can you? Yeah, I noticed that you said that uh, Krispy Kreme's kind of disappearing. Dunkin' Donuts, not so much. Yeah, because Krispy Kreme, you can't eat only three. They're addictive, and they make you blow up like a balloon, and uh, they make you sick to your stomach because they're just uh, pure sugar. As opposed to Dunkin' Donuts, if you eat one, you say, oh, okay, that's enough. Pass them around to somebody else. Taylor says the former Krispy Kreme donut shop on Boynton Beach Boulevard, just west of I-95, could be a perfect place for a police substation. He's proposing leasing space that will relieve the Cramp Police Station during Tuesday's commission meeting tomorrow. There's really no room to turn around. People work in the type of environment you put them in, Taylor said, of the current 18,000-plus-square-foot location. It's not conducive to good performance if you cram people in like sardines. Oh, what kind of people eat sardines, by the way, out of a can? Oh, I like sardines. Ooh. The big ones in tomato sauce. Oh. The Krispy Kreme side is spacious, has plenty of parking, he said. The donut shop, which opened in August of 2003, flopped at it and now remains vacant up for lease. At the police station attached to the city, all fingerprinting must be done in the hallways that are crowded with filing cabinets and other office supplies. Regionally, a team of 18 traffic unit officers worked out of a 400-square-foot room with moldy carpets. They moved out, but 12 officers and sergeants from the community action team are due to move in. After a few months, the donut jokes will wear off and will be happy to occupy the Krispy Kreme place, said Major Frank Burgandy. Yeah, I mean, why the hell would anybody make jokes about cops and donuts, huh? <laughs> yeah. Right? No doubt. How would anybody do that? What's this fax you just sent here? 
it's half of a four-page fax that somebody sent. If it's interesting, oh my god! It. But it's about our friends. Our friends. It right. says the law of unintended and unexpected consequences about to sweep across Florida politics like a Category Five hurricane. At the beginning of last week, the question of which Florida Republican was gay. Gay. Did not involve U.S. Representative Mark Foley. Rather, interest was focused on gubernatorial candidate Charlie Crist, who put the goober, goober in gubernatorial. Both mainstream media, the Herald and the alternative media, Orlando Weekly, had alluded to a 2005 controversy in which Crist was asked point blank if he was gay, responded no, and later called a radio talk show to deny being a homosexual. Crist stated, no man, no, I love women. I mean, they're wonderful. But no woman has been visible in Chris's life for decades. He denied fathering a child by an emotionally disturbed woman in a Mr. Goodbar encounter in the 90s. Then the Foley firestorm ensued. But Foley is now yesterday's news, temporarily at least. He's re resigned, gone into seclusion, is probably on his way to prison. Well, he's on his way to rehab <coughs> where he is now. Charlie Crist, however, is still a candidate facing a formidable Democratic Party challenger. Right. Somebody that nobody ever heard of. What's his name? Butch Davis? Jim Davis. <laughs> Chris may have expected that the gay issue had dissolved along with the electoral prospect of his primary challenger, Tom Gallagher. In a bizarre twist of fate, Foley Gate is now elected to focus rapier-sharp attention, rapier, on Chris's peculiar lifestyle, and in particular, on the absence of any significant female figure in his life. Mom doesn't count. Oh. Chris was briefly married decades ago. To date, his former wife has never been quoted or even identified. I expect Florida media will be making massive efforts to locate the former spouse and to pose the question, did you divorce Charlie after seven months of marriage because you discovered he was gay? What did cause the end of your seven-month marriage? As I indicated in my earlier column, whose column is this? Bob Hoffman, Political Gateway. You ever hear these, this guy or this thing? No. As I indicated in my earlier column on Foley Gate, I knew Mark Foley well in the 90s. Mark often had female arm candy on display. Chris is peculiar in that he's not... Oh, well, that, that's interesting because anybody who's supposed to know anything about Florida politics, anybody for years has known that Mark Foley is gay, you know. But evidently, uh, Bob didn't know that. Chris is peculiar in that he's not even gone to the extent of brandishing a Foley-style female companion, a beard. In the wake of the explosive and embarrassing impact of Foley's resignation, are Florida voters more or less likely to support another Republican with a blank slate on human relationships? The answer is obvious and apodictic. What is that? Apodictic? Never heard of that. You better Google it. A simple Google search reflects that Chris's sexuality has been a matter of intense concern for both the right and the left. Gay rights groups, moreover, who were burned when fully sexuality embarrassingly morphed from homosexuality into pedophilia may take preemptive action to force Chris Tan to avoid another fully surprise. How do you like that? So how do you spell that word? Uh, apodictic. A-P-O-D-I-C-T-I-C. -I -C -I -C. Okay. Never heard of it. Makes me apoplectic when I see apodictic. I don't have any clue what that means. Capable of demonstration. The answer is obvious and capable of demonstration. Apodictic. I'll be damned. Well, I don't know who the hell Bob Hoffman is, but he sure likes to use some big words. Charlie Chris got a 21-point lead. You think that's going to disappear because he's gay? I don't think so. I mean, everybody in the state knows it, and of course the people on the right—they just—they just ignore it. They deny it. They're in denial. Uh-oh, multiple people killed in Amish school shooting. Yeah, I am learning here uh, that, uh, according to Associated Press, at this yeah. point, um, uh, Corporal Ralph Strayback is someone who is uh, dealing with the situation on the ground, saying that the shooter is among, among dead. those dead. Uh, this is Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania, state's Amish country, as we've been talking about. But the shooter himself, apparently at this point, confirmed by the Associated Press, uh, is one of the people among those dead in this situation. You see, that, that's probably what happened is they got uh, in contact with a TV set. Now, am I right? The Amish aren't supposed to be watching no TV? 
That is correct. Yeah. Well, some of those bearded goofballs evidently got a hold of TV somewhere, and they saw, oh, look at that, they're shooting people in school. I, you know, we might be more like everybody else. Let's you're, start you're presuming it was an Amish person doing the shooting. I, I don't have any idea who All it right, was, well, okay? I'm just trying to make a little bit lighter of the situation, even though it's a horrendous thing, and it's sick and disgusting, but it's the American effing way. Because more important than them not having TVs, they're not supposed to have any guns either. The Amish don't have guns? That's correct. Well, maybe they just don't know what to do when they got them. Right? Amish gone wild, you know? We'll see. We'll, we'll follow it. We'll be all over it with a, with a blanket or a towel anyway. I mean, other than for hunting, that is. I assume. 1,233 votes. Oh, for hunting, I see. Well, it's a uh, good thing you can't kill people with them shotguns. Ain't it? No, you can't. I bet you if we go to our stats thing here, if I do it, that thing about Mark Foley, and those, I got another thing about Mark Foley, who built his career as a protector of children. Hypocrite. Here it is. It's number one with a bullet. Mark Foley instant message chats with congressional pages. Number one in the reads on our website. Came from nowhere. Came from oh. came from not even being on there this morning. What time did we put that on there? About like ten uh, thirty thereabouts. Thereabouts. In just over two hours, it passed all the others like they were standing still. Even how Mark Foley represents Brit Hume and Fox News. It even passed that by a couple of reads. The biggest name. One of my best friends. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio Five Sixty. Oh, solid AM. Hate you. In the city, what's this thing called electricity? LA, where it's hot and muggy, ain't no place for a horse and buggy. They might go on a bender wearing big hats and funny suspenders. But back home, it's a different world. No phone, so you can't call girls. Come on, come on, and raise that barn. They can't swear, they can just say, Don, tune in. If you miss it's a pity, these kids, they can't stay the same because they're Amish in the city. Because they're Amish. In the city, no more eating only mutton. They can use zippers instead of buttons. First time seeing a computer, going for lunch at a place called Hooters. Cars honk, never heard street noise, and it's the first time they've ever seen a homeboy. But back home, it's a different thing. No tattoos or belly rings. Come on, come on, and feel no guilt. When you get home, you can finish that quilt. L.A., the place is so pretty if they stay. How will they survive when they're Amish in the city? When they're Amish in the city. By the way, they were just talking about the Amish and about how they have uh, plentiful numbers of guns because they're hunters. That's what I just said. Well, just bearing out what you just said after you covered your ass after having said they're not supposed to have guns. Yes. A gunman killed a number of people at one a one-room Amish schoolhouse today in Pennsylvania's Lancaster County in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania. The shooter is among the dead. There are a number of people that the exact number they don't know yet. They're still counting the bodies. How do you like that? And Josh's body may be strewn among the litter because this faxer is pretty P.O.'d with you. It says, Josh is nuts. Well, we know that. What? Josh is nuts. Okay. How can anyone say Dunkin' Donuts are better than Krispy Kreme Donuts? His taste must be in his tush. Ask Duff. He'd probably give you a little lowdown on that. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts does have the best coffee, but their donuts are average at best, it says here. Well, I'll tell you one thing. They're sure better than Entenmann's. What Dunkin' Donuts has is a variety of uh, stuff, like those sandwiches and whatnot. Yeah. What's that got to do with donuts? Nothing. All I know is the only donut that I can eat you know? stomach to meet to eat is the uh, glazed donut at Krispy Kreme. That's it. I can't even eat any other donut. I, I didn't know they had any other flavors. They do. 
What's the I point of that? In so, I haven't had any Krispy Kreme in so long, I can't even remember. I, I know that I had to have three, though. If I ate one, I would eat three. That's nothing. Well, how many would you eat? The rack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we know that. We've heard about that. We've heard those stories mm -hmm. about you and the rack. Anyway, can we get back to important stuff like Mark Foley? I've got about 100 stories on him now here. The Republic on her. The Republican congressman resigned Friday following the discovery of sexually explicit. And by the way, it's number one on our hit parade. Aren't you proud? It's already reached the top. I know it would be. The Republican congressman resigned following the discovery of sexually explicit internet messages he sent to teenage boys was a gregarious and charismatic lawmaker who built his political career in large measure on legislative proposals meant to halt the sexual predation of children and others. Beginning with his 93 sponsorship of a measure in the Florida State Legislature to seize the cars of men who solicited prostitutes, former restaurant owner and real estate agent Mark Foley repeatedly attracted a flattering political spotlight by inveighing against those involved in sexual crimes and presenting himself as a protector of exploited children. Well, more, in other words, if he stops other people from doing it, maybe there's more for him. Oh, more for me. A well-liked member of the class of conservatives elected to Congress in 94, Foley was until two days ago deputy whip for the House Republicans and co-chairman of the Congressional Missing and Exploited Children's Caucus, a website for the bipartisan group states that it was formed to create a voice within Congress on that issue and to operate a hotline for tips about online sex, uh, child sexual exploitation that could be passed to law enforcement agencies. At a White House Rose Garden ceremony on July 27th, President Bush hailed Foley and some other House and Senate lawmakers as a member of a SWAT team for kids. Bush spoke while signing into law a broad child protection measure that included a Foley-sponsored provision requiring sex offenders to register in every state where they live, work, or attend school. How do you like that? Mm -hmm. Always trying to like get the heat, get the spotlight off of themselves, all these closet people. Speaking of that, John Nichols writes on TomPayne.com, he says, Mark Foley's sexuality was never much of a secret to those who served with him in the House. The New York Times and every major newspaper in Florida have been writing articles on the congressman's agonizingly inept attempts to remain closeted for years. Indeed, it was the embarrassing manner in which he had attempted to cloak his sexuality that prevented Foley from securing his party's nomination for the U.S. Senate in 2004 and again this year. Tragically, as a Florida Republican, Foley felt that if he wanted to remain a political player, he needed to live a lie. Well, he wanted to be a player, all right. He was probably wrong. Republicans who have come out of the closet, such as retiring Arizona Congressman Jim Kolb, have often tried politically. Openly gay men and lesbians who have been elected and re-elected to the House as Democrats and Republicans, and Foley, whose relatively moderate voting record could have appealed to both Main Street Republicans and Democrats, might well have broken the barrier in the Senate. But Foley didn't trust Florida Republican voters to accept him for who he was, so this otherwise personal and capable congressman engaged in an increasingly challenging and ultimately unsuccessful attempt to hide a huge part of his identity. You fairy. The pressures imposed by such secrecy appear to have been too much for Foley. Unlike the vast majority of homosexuals who, as a group, are less likely to be attracted to children than heterosexuals, the congressman began to engage in activities that were inappropriate and potentially illegal and absolutely unacceptable. Details that have surfaced in recent days suggest that Foley had made a mess of his life, a mess that exploded on him and his party when it was revealed that the co-chair of the Congressional Caucus for Missing and Exploited Children had sent, do I make you a little horny emails to teenage boys? Foley's Republican colleagues, who are champions when it comes to shooting the wounded, immediately began trashing him. This type of behavior is what I try to protect my grandchildren from, snarled Clay Shaw, the GOP representative from neighboring Florida House District, House Speaker Denny Hastert, fat-ass Denny, House Majority Leader John Boehner, and House Majority Whip Roy Blunt issued a statement condemning Foley's behavior as an obscene breach of trust. 
His immediate resignation must now be followed by the full weight of the criminal justice system. Hastert, Boehner, and Blunt said a, a Foley. Watch it. Fair enough. But what do these Republican leaders think about those who knew about Foley's undue interest in mail pages, covered up the fact for months, perhaps years, and then lied about what they knew? Should they, too, face the full weight of the criminal justice system? When the news of Foley's email broke in the media, Hastert declared, I was surprised. Really that strange? Congressman Tom Reynolds, who chairs the Republican Congressional Campaign Committee, revealed on Saturday that he informed Hastert months ago about concerns regarding Foley's habit of sending sexually suggestive stripped-down-and-get-naked emails and instant messages to mail congressional pages. Stripped-down-and-get-naked. Congressman Rodney Alexander, the Louisiana Republican who brought these concerns to the attention of party leaders after learning about Foley's emails from the family of a former page in 2005, has confirmed that his office contacted Hastert's office regarding the matter. Additionally, Alexander personally discussed the issue with Reynolds and Boehner. Another Republican with close ties to the House leadership, Illinois Representative John Shimkus, admits that he investigated the email issue in 2005, apparently after it was reviewed by Hastert's office and the office of the clerk of the house, and says he wanted fully to break off contact with a particular teenager and, in a more general sense, to stop stalking mail pages. Then Shimkus dropped the matter to the apparent satisfaction of Hastert, Boehner, Blunt, Reynolds, and other House Republican leaders. Stop stalking mail pages. Some readers may be surprised that these top Republicans who go on and on about the need to fend off supposed threats posed by loving and responsible gay and lesbian couples would be so accepting of Foley. The truth is that the hands-off approach to this whole scandal is entirely in character for the current crop of Republican leaders who couldn't care less about the sexuality of members of their caucus. They only employ moral values, appeals to scare up voters at election time. It's never been something they believed in. Hatchard and his compatriots care only about winning elections and keeping power, even when that involves looking the other way after concerns have been raised about what good many Americans see as the stalking of children. Denny Hastert and the other Republican leaders certainly were not surprised to learn last week that Mark Foley had acted inappropriately with mail pages. They knew all about Foley's emails and all the issues raised by those communications. Hastert and his colleagues have been caught in a lie, and it's a big one. What's the proper response? Hastert, Boehner, and Blunt have got the right idea. Those who knew about Foley's actions and failed to respond in any kind of serious manner are guilty of an obscene breach of trust. Since they control the machinery of the House Ethics Committee, it's doubtful that Hastert and his colleagues will face a serious investigation, let alone the full weight of the criminal justice system. But this is an election year, and political campaigns can also extract a measure of justice. Hastert and Boehner are scheduled to attend fundraising events on behalf of embattled Pennsylvania Republican Congressman Don Sherwood in coming weeks. Sherwood's Democratic challenger, Chris Carney, a lieutenant commander in the U.S. Navy Reserve who served as a senior advisor on intelligence and counterterrorism issues at the Pentagon, has asked the Republican congressman to cancel the events. Holding happy hour fundraisers with people who cover up the cyber molestation of children should be below even the questionable morals of Don Sherwood, explained Carney campaign manager Andrew Elridge Martin. Sherwood should immediately cancel his upcoming fundraisers with Hastert and Boehner. Don Sherwood has already brought Washington's values back to the district. Now he wants to bring a depraved cover-up home. Ouch. There's a new twist on the old Republican appeal to values voters that Hastert wasn't counting on. Yeah, these are the family values people, just like those Amish. Think of clothes encourage humility and separation oh, from the rest the of the world. there's the horses out. Look at the, look so at the buggies it's outside. It's much like a costume, but you they bet. really do oh. want to be separated from the rest of the world. And again, as you mentioned, they don't use the like horses. It's an Amish traffic jam. So whenever we're covering stories there when I worked in Philadelphia, you really can't get them on the phone a lot. Or you have to go and actually knock mm-hmm. on their door to talk to them to find out about problems. Problems. Phone? What the hell is that? That a connection with the electricity would be interpreted as <laughs> linking the uh, link electricity. Oh, you mean like common sense? The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. 
you just hate people that use snappy openers for their show segments? Like that one to two hour. Here's tonight. It's cops in Pennsylvania Dutch country. Amish cops, Amish cops. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when the carriage comes for you? Well, hello there, Jebediah. Hello, Officer Hezekiah. Say, uh, what brings you up to my humble abode? Well, we got us some reports of some busting and abusing in these here parts. Ah, yes, Hezekiah. I'm ashamed to admit that uh, my wife, Sarah, exposed part of her ankle. Why, that no good hussy. Yep. I've got me a good mind to put her in the stocks and give her 40 lashes. Mm. Well, that would be a good idea, but then there wouldn't be anyone to milk the cow. Yep, women. They're the reason we're all going to hell. Uh, yep. Well, I gotta get back to plowing the fields. Okay, then. I guess I'll be getting back to the barn raising, Hezekiah. Amish cops, Amish cops. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they shackle you? That's tonight on Cops in Pennsylvania Dutch Country. Oh, guess what's the number one uh, brand selling uh, donuts in the U.S., Josh? What's that? Krispy Kreme. I don't believe it. I got it right here. I Googled it, man. I believe it. I got it right here. Well, they make the best glazed donuts in the world, fact, but sometimes... How come I don't see uh, Dunkin' Donuts here at all? Because you got you got some false uh, article there. Wherever I, I got news for you, man. This is the AIB International Donuts Statistics and Trends. Yeah, well, AI I know says move that. over donuts, fresh bagels, and English muffins are back. That's from Baking Management, September 25 issue. Yeah, it's probably from like 2000. Though. The bagel and English muffin markets have increased as the donut market has begun to shrink. Includes statistical data on sales of donuts, bagels, English muffins, other fresh baked goods, with three tables with sales figures for fresh bakery products, frozen bakery products, and yada yada yada. I don't see it, no Duncan on here. Krispy Kreme. Now, what the hell? Well, this is for the 52-week period ending June 22, 2003. So it's old stuff. What'd I say? You said it's probably from 2000. Well, you know, I was figuring... Krispy Kreme was number one. Entenmann's was number two. Private Label was third. Hostess, Dolly Madison, Little Debbie, Marita, Fryhofer, Tasty Cake, and Mets. Tasty Cake, my ass. They used to sponsor the uh, Flyers games. It's probably everybody but Dunkin' Donuts. It's like a monopoly. What, what, what does that mean? Like they're just better than everybody else? I, I don't see anything about Dunkin' Donuts on, on here at all. Oh, wait a minute. Top retailers mentioned included Krispy Kreme, Dunkin' Donuts, Daylight Donuts, Lamar's Donuts, Winchell's Donuts, Winchell's Donuts, Cousins, uh, Cousins Dozen, Donut Connection, and Tim Hortons. Oh! Hey? Tim Hortons got donuts now. I don't know. This is this this goes on for about a hundred pages. On um, wasted a lot of my paper with this trying to prove a point, and now I don't even know what the other point is. I mean, it's just the taste test. Anybody who's got taste buds knows that Krispy Kreme is far and away the best. That's because they put more sugar on it. Oh man! They like soak it. Just, it oh, your blood water. sugar goes up to like it's just the meter goes tilt, starts making all kinds of beeping sounds and like uh, all kinds of buzzing sounds. And you start taking three or four of those Krispy Kremes. Katrina Vandenhoevel writes, they're, they're still hawking about that Amish shooting in Pennsylvania. They believe in conformity, in conforming with the rest of the world. Um, they don't believe in being part of the rest of the world, at least. Uh, no, it's the horse and it. buggy crowd that um, wants to live in the Stone Age, and uh, they're entitled to it. They usually aren't violent. They usually don't believe in running around killing people. Yeah, and when the power goes out, they don't notice. And this guy who came in, his name was... Roy! Yeah, and started shooting people, and then including himself. I don't know whether he got shot. Three children taken to one hospital, unknown number to another. John Jack Lewis of the Pennsylvania State Police. Uh, Jack, can you bring us up to date about 
Uh, I wonder what MSNBC has got. They're probably us, like way know, ahead of like, CNN. Wouldn't you think they're like right on top of this? That took place. Uh, but, you know, we I, I think back and you and I were dead. talking See, last they year, there was they another incident up, in Pennsylvania where a, a young man uh, was dating a girl three or four years younger than him. And uh, her parents had said that uh, he could no longer date her. And he brought guns into the house and he shot and killed both of these girls' parents. I mean, these incidents of case by a young person, in this case, by someone older, I mean, it, it, we, we don't have the ability psychologically to accurately forecast the big challenge. And indeed, that's uh, the case you're talking about very well. It was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and where this incident that everybody <laughs> was watching now on the screen is in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania, just outside of Lancaster, very close to the case of the about that Wow, that is scary. Anyway, Katrina writes, rigging the news in Iraq. She says, you remember the Lincoln Group, the guys at the Pentagon paid tens of millions of dollars to pay off Iraqi media and plant stories favorable to the U.S.? The same guys the New York Times revealed to have lied about partnerships with major media and advertising companies, former government officials with extensive Middle East experience, and ex-military officers with background in intelligence and psychological warfare in order to receive those hefty contracts. In short, just the kind of guys Bush, Cheney, and company enjoy working with. So it's hardly surprising, though completely outrageous, to read Walter Pincus' story in yesterday's Washington Post that the Lincoln Group has been handed a new two-year, $12.4 million contract to handle strategic communications management. Lincoln competed against seven other groups and was the lowest bidder to help military commanders in Baghdad get what they consider the positive side of their operations in the news. At least one competitor might challenge the contract decision based on Lincoln's record, but when one considers Kellogg, Brown, and Root, Blackwater, Custer Battles, Bechtel, and others... Uh, one can't be too terribly optimistic about the outcome of any appeal. Pincus also notes that one day after the State Department poll revealed that the Iraqi people want U.S. forces to withdraw immediately and would feel safer if they did, the military now aims to hire a private firm to conduct polling and focus groups in Iraq to assess the effectiveness of operations as they relate to gaining and maintaining popular support. Once again, the modus operandi of this administration is perfectly clear. If you don't like the news delivered, in this case by the State Department, contract out to a hired gun or rummy. And if you don't like the news reported by Iraqis, hire the Lincoln Group. And if you don't like the twisted thinking of this sick bunch, vote Democrat in November. It's the only way we'll achieve any oversight of this continuing debacle in Iraq, says Katrina. Their, their jobs for the day are coming up Sounds here like an because, as in most cases, when we have a tragedy involving the Amish and the Mennonite community, hear, uh, they all seem to rally again. together. I, I wouldn't be surprised within another 30 minutes as more word spreads about, about the tragedy 30, man. if we don't see hundreds of Amish people here. You know, there is a wonderful support. In fact, stay with us, Brett. I want to bring in Wes Newswanger with the Mennonite. Newswanger? What the hell is that all about? Boy, this is getting really X-rated today. Wasn't bad enough with those Mark Foley things that you forced me to read on the air. Got any more? I got, I got a whole bunch of money. I'm not going to read it. Let, let them look on our website, okay? Eric will make a fortune today. We'll have 80 million hits on the website. Eric might make about 30 cents, maybe about a quarter. Let's take a look and see which story they're all over, like Stink on Greg. Uh, Mark Foley instant message chats with congressional pages number one and zooming away from the rest, pulling away from the pack like it's on fire with or without that uh, towel. Christopher Epler writes in The Smirking Chimp, the media, America's Achilles heel. Oh, brother, the freaking media, you know it? The media is sick and needs help badly. And how do they, how do they rally together at this point? We can see a lot of the <laughs> There's the proof. There's a little good piece of proof right there. Christopher Epler writes, a toilet paper company that put Bill O'Reilly's face on every square of its product would make millions. Remember journalists? 
They were our unofficial fourth branch of government, and the country as monster-sized as ours. We needed that policing of government. Journalists more or less said it like it is and more or less kept us in touch with reality. And let's not patronize them more or less. Hey, if you compare those news professionals to the fascist babblers on Fox News, etc., they look like veritable knights from Camelot. How did this happen? How did we lose our, this is what really happened in American people? Yes, we have a few heroes out there, and Godspeed to them, but they're so pitifully outnumbered. Basically, it's from God's mouth, Bush's mouth, to 95% of the American media. Alas, another variable in this are the people who watch the Nazi-like propaganda with glazed eyes, kind of like glazed donuts. Let's face it, propaganda works best on dingbats, and as our formerly literate country slides deeper and deeper in Doveville, we keep acquiring an ever-widening glut of raw stupidity. This isn't happening in any other advanced technological country. The statistics make this clear. Just as we're becoming fat physically, we're becoming fat intellectually and culturally. Most young people think that being able to look up information on the Internet is the same thing as being educated. Dear God, being educated is not having to look information up on the Internet, so this electronic generation of teens is just more intellectual fat. Thus, the dialogue between the fascist media and the fatheads uh, fat profoundly cripples our constitutional government, which necessitated literal, rational, and factual communication. That is what our wise forebears didn't anticipate. They didn't anticipate that America would become so dependent on the media, and they didn't anticipate this avalanche of intellectual sloth that has taken over so much of our country. Intellectual sloth. This is also tangled and complicated. It has to do with our insidious dependence on electronics. It has to do with the sad realization that no one sells his or her soul so cheaply as news people. Give them a few bucks and they'll lick the feet of the nearest Republican. And it has to do with becoming a megalopolis beyond the wildest dreams of our founding fathers. In those days, communication was easy. Now it's a nearly inf infinitely complicated matrix of several different forms of media, nearly all now owned and controlled by totalitarian fascists. And it has to do with the millions of vacuum-headed monkey-see-monkey-do Americans. So what to do? The only thing we can do. Those of us who aren't monkey-brained have to somehow initiate enough political muscle and insight to counter and go beyond this fascist fathead symbiosis. It's 100% up to ethical, literate, rational, patriotic Americans to take our country back in spite of the media. Lastly, let's never forget how 95% of the American media tried to turn the American dream into a new Third Reich. These people are the collaborators, just as the mid-20th century collaborators tried to give Europe to the Nazis. So are the Fox News collaborators and thousands of like-minded traders trying to give our constitutional government to the Republican neo-Nazis. P.S. The collaborators shouldn't forget how the French treated their collaborators after WW2. Sounds like a veiled, not so veiled threat to me. Yeah. How's those Amish doing? If, in fact, our six days at the scene... Those bodies are, are in the process of being transported. By buggy, no doubt. 1,312 votes on the pool. How many games will the Dolphins win this season after yesterday's humiliating, degrading loss to what everybody... What would you ask? I guess the three worst teams in the league have got to be San Francisco, Arizona, and Houston. Would anybody debate that, Josh? No, that's pretty accurate. And then close to close the fourth or fifth, but Tennessee, which Daniel beat the Dolphins last week. How many games will the Dolphins win this season? It's the Saban era, baby, with his crappy attitude. He's hostile. 1,319 votes. Who cares? 389, almost 30%. 162 people say they'll win six. Screw the fish, 158. Screw the fish. 145 people say five. 137 say four. 62 foolish people say they're going to win seven. Well, that would be like, that wouldn't be so much. That would be like six and six in their last 12 games, right? Yeah. 54 say they're going to win only two. In other words, one more. It's going to be a long season, baby. And the people across the street are going to lose their ass again. 49 say they're going to win eight. 45 say three. 35 say Super Bowl. <laughs> 30 say I hate this poll. About 30, man. 
20 say they're going to win nine games. 14 very foolish people say they're going to win 10. 10 people say the playoffs. And nine people say the Dolphins will win 11 games. That's 10 and 2 in their last dozen games. Now, it's one thing to get a dozen donuts, but a dozen more games like they played so far. I don't think so, Nick. Makes you almost long for the Wanstead era, doesn't it? Huh? Almost. Talk about a hard ass. One thirteen at Q, and don't forget the Mad Dog at two. Hank's offer Yom Kipper today, so we got Joe Zagaki. The biggest we'll name. We'll have to for that next one. This is Real Rogers. Here's Radio Five Sixty QAM. God, it sucks. Hello, Mel. Um, I would like to ask you a question. Um, my son was watching your program on the um on Whammy on Miami. The date was the um fifteen. And um, I would like to know if you're some kind of um, antichrist or something. Because uh-huh. now my son wants to worship the devil because he thinks he's cool. And he also wants to dress as ladies and, and put lipstick on now. I don't know if the whole channel 69 is the antichrist channel. Um, please, I'm really concerned. And I would like to know if you're the antichrist. Thank you. And please, if I see you somewhere... I wouldn't even stop and give you water because you, now you turn my son into a faggot and you made my son serve the Antichrist. Thank you. And have a nice day. Oh, and you too. Have a lovely day. And what, what's she trying to say? I have no life. Oh, and no brain. 117 here on the El Antichristo show. The Chupacabra is here. <laughs> Got some bad news for all you online gaming freaks out there. Actually, some good news. Online gaming firms face their biggest ever crisis today after U.S. Congress passed legislation to end Internet gaming, threatening jobs and wiping out $6.5 billion off share prices. How do you like that? Oh, jeez. Britain's Party Gaming PLC, operator of leading Internet poker site PartyPoker.com, and rival Sporting Bet and 888 Place said they would likely pull out of the U.S., their biggest source of revenue, and warned on future profits. The development is a significant setback for our company, our shareholders, our players, and our industry, Party Gaming Chief Executive Mitch Garber said. The House and Senate unexpectedly approved a bill early Saturday that would make it illegal for banks and credit card companies to make payments to online gambling sites. The measure was sent to President George W. Bush to sign a law which most analysts see as a certainty. We believe that this will have a very material impact on long-term prospects of online gaming, and in particular poker, said Julian, uh, analyst Julian Eastop at UBS. UBS, isn't that the network Howard Beale was on? Yes, it is. Was. This will lead to a rapid decline in the use of online poker sites. Party gaming generates about 78% of its revenue from the U.S., where a sporting bet gets about 62% there. Shares in party gaming, which rates to nearly $4 million a day from its 19 million customers, fell 58%. Sporting Bet, which owns Sportsbook.com and ParadisePoker.com, lost 58%, and 8.88 was down 35%. Online gaming exploded in London in 2005, uh, in the world in 2005, with a string of high-profile company flotations in London, which has become the industry's corporate center. The bulk of revenue, though, has always come from the U.S., but operators were located in offshore jurisdictions like Costa Rica and Antigua during due to fears of prosecution in the U.S., where gaming and betting laws had been ambiguous. So all you people that have been spending all your time playing online the crap, forget about it. You're going to come and drag your ass away, and then you're going to have to spend a couple of weeks with Miss Foley. Damn it. After she gets out of rehab. <laughs> She's got a drinking problem, don't you understand? I see. 
other school shootings. Six dead, this by the way. one in the Amish country in southeastern Pennsylvania in Lancaster problem. County, a small place called Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania, just outside of Lancaster. One side of the screen you can see where it is on the map. On the other side you can see what looks like a lot of firefighters and also local community members who are looking, it looks like, for other evidence on one side of the screen and on the other side, needless to say, trying to make sense you know, the more you of play what that. appears to be a horrible... I beg your pardon? The more I hear her, the more I start to doubt whether I'm awake or having a dream yeah. or if I'm yeah, on Earth. Can this be a really like an out-of-body experience? Can this really be happening to us? No. No. It's kind of like that feeling I had in Berlin. Only at least that was enjoyable as opposed to this was like misery, agony. Like hearing uh, fingernails <coughs> on a blackboard. Those eight sounds. So would Mark Foley have approved of that? Of what? Berlin. No, uh, too old. Legal age, baby. Legal age. Stick with legal, okay? All right. If I must. You must. Venezuela President Hugo Chavez said yesterday he's received warnings from within the White House that the Bush administration is plotting to assassinate him or topple his left-leaning government. Oh, they wouldn't do that, would they? Yes. Citing what he said were warnings from an alleged White House informant, Chavez told thousands of supporters at a campaign rally in Caracas that President Bush has ordered him to be killed before he leaves orifice in 2008. Bush has said that before he goes, Hugo Chavez should not be president of Venezuela, he told the crowd. The president of the U.S. has said it, especially in recent days. What he doesn't know is that I have friends in the White House. The Venezuelan leader has claimed before that the U.S. government's out to kill him in allegations that, uh, that U.S. officials deny. The latest accusation came a day after he alleged that there had been a recent attempt to assassinate him and said those responsible had since fled to neighboring Colombia and probably will be on Radio Suave pretty soon. Chavez appeared to link the alleged plot to his main rival in upcoming presidential elections, Governor Manuel Rosales of Zulia State, claiming that he is in constant danger from opponents seeking to get rid of him. He's not paranoid, you understand. He said a sniper had waited with a long-range gun and planned to shoot him after he debarked a helicopter, didn't elaborate further on the alleged plot. He vowed to win the December 3rd vote and continue governing the South American nation until 2021. Fourteen more years, that's what's coming, Chavez said. He has floated the possibility of changing Venezuela's constitution to an, uh, allow indefinite re-election. In other words, like dictator. President for life. Kind of like what uh, the Republicans have in mind for the USA. Eh? we got c control. We're not going to give it up. No matter how many elections we have to fix. No matter how many lies we have to tell. No matter how many uh, human lives we have to sacrifice. Learned in the since Columbine in the last seven years that... Uh, being that uh, today in, in, in an Amish school, last week in a rural school in Colorado, uh, small schools, rural schools, but also we see it in urban districts. Violence crosses all boundaries, urban, suburban, and rural. It could be a one-room schoolhouse to a large urban school district, and we have to continue to keep school safety on the front burner, Rita. The, the thing that we say is, you know, all of the technology and equipment in the world well, let's is hear from Rita, man. human effort. And Clint and I talked about this last week with you is that the first and best line of defense is a well-trained, alert school staff and a student body who are going to try to recognize strangers in the parking lot. and then That's what Mark Foley wants. She wants that student body. We had almost 1,400. Are we going to get 1,400 a day? I think we might. 1,346. We got 37 minutes to get 54. We should be able to do that. I mean, yeah. everybody and their brother, even George has got an opinion on how many games the Dolphins will win. His opinion is, uh, who gives a crap? You can do it! Isn't that right? That's what I voted. Yeah, they could lose, like, uh, let's see, they've won one, so they could go, like, one and 15. We didn't put one on the poll. Oh, let's not do that. That would be so, that would be nasty. It would be ridiculous. We're that would be like putting uh, 13 on there, you know. We're putting it on now. Putting what, one? One. 
Well, they already won the one, so that uh, means they're going to lose all the rest of the games the rest of the season? You know, it's possible. Absolutely. Possible. Well, once upon a time, they won every game in the season, so. Yeah, that's true. Practice makes perfect, baby. They're striving for perfection. It's obvious it's the Saban F and way, baby. Nice, nice call on that two-point conversion, Nick. He's such a hard ass. You know, you people in the media, if it would have worked, it would have been a good play, but it didn't work, so it's a bad play. But, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the criteria? Yeah, that's generally the idea. <laughs> if he calls the play and it's, it turns out to be a turd, then uh, it's a bad play. Bad call, Nick. That's the way it works. You're the coach, not anybody else. Don't blame the brainstem. He ain't around no more. Face-to-face -face with an armed man suspected of killing a Polk County Sheriff uh, Deputy Sheriff. Remember that last week? Yes. SWAT officers riddled his body with 68 bullets. Count them. Altogether, nine officers fired 110 times Friday at Angelo Freeland. That was the roster guy there with the dreadlocks, who Polk County Sheriff Grady, uh, Grady Judd said executed one of his deputies. That's, that's all the bullets we had, or we would have shot him more, Judd said, after autopsy results were released Saturday. That's all the bullets we had. They unloaded them. They had somebody going to the store for more, but he was already dead. That's right. Why bother? The slain deputy, Matt Williams, 39, was shot eight times Thursday when he encountered the killer who had fled into nearby woods after a routine traffic stop. One bullet was fired at close range behind the deputy's right ear. Another was fired near his right temple with the muzzle of the gun pressing against his skin. I'm confident he was ambushed and he was executed, Judge said. Freeland, 27, was driving a rental car when he was pulled over. Deputy Doug Spires asked for his driver's license, but he was handed a fake ID. Several shots were fired at Spires as he ran after Freeland, and one bullet struck the deputy's leg. Williams and his German Shepherd dog, police dog, Diogi, went into the wooded area looking for the suspect. After examining the shooting scene, Judd had said he thinks Freeland waited behind a large uprooted tree where it was virtually impossible to see him. I suspect he shot the canine first, Judd said. A single bullet killed the dog when it hit him in the chest. Bullets hit Williams in the arm, legs, and buttocks, and one lodged in his spine. Though the se sequence of the shots hasn't been determined, it's likely the final two shots were fired in the deputy's head as the gunman stood over him. Williams was armed with a 45 caliber semi-automatic handgun, had extra magazines of ammunition on his belt. After he executed the deputy, he took his firearm and the magazines, Judd said, and was reading them in the woods. Somebody was reading them to him. Two Lakeland police officers exchanged gunfire with Freeland as he apparently tried to reach a nearby house. I'm confident he was going to go to that house. He would have taken them hostage, or maybe that he would have killed them, he said. Judd said the Lakeland officers risked their lives when they turned him back into the woods. And then he shot him. How many times did it say? 100, 100, about 100. And if they would have had 500 bullets, they would have used them all. Just to make sure. To which we say, All right. Nice going. The biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560. 